Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brawlerade. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, week 137 of the Endless Star Trek Project. Uh, yes. Fi- for fuck's sake. <laughs> 30, 38 or 39 more of these. How, what does TNG go to? 175 or 176? 176. I'm fucking believable. Yeah, they didn't really air any two-parters as a movie. Okay. Which is uh, part of the reason, I think, why Voyager cuts out so early. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DS9 goes out on 173. Voyager goes out maybe 169. Something yep. like that. I think that's, uh, yeah, 168 is the last Voyager. All right. So, cool. Only... Um, Thirty-one Only. of those left. After, after the ones this. we talk, after the ones we talk about right now, after the one we got to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh. Um, I mean, again, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We might finish in 2025. Don't think about that. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no way we're finishing before that. So, <laughs> uh, I'm just you know doing the math. Unless we pick, unless we start doing these every week at some point, that that's it. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Um. Well, I don't know if Twitter will take us through the current events. It often does. But uh, I don't know. What's going on in your world? What's going on in Biscuit's world? Um, I got a new pair of Chucks. Oh, uh, color? Ooh, uh, gray and lighter gray with yellow trim. Oh, yellow trim. Yeah, you can customize them yeah. now. Yeah, I, I uh, bought some custom ones in Kelly Green before the A's, uh, you know, shat up on me. Right. <laughs> not that long ago. Yeah, I um, I had not worn Chucks, I think, since high school, because, frankly, the they're not the shape of my feet. Okay. They are shaped for someone with long, very narrow feet. They're more shaped for my feet. Yeah. Um, but I... Uh, when my closet got all soaked from that upstairs leak a couple months ago, uh-huh. I had pulled all of my shoes out of the closet, and there were some, not chucks, but some palladium boots. Uh-huh. You know, this French company that makes a canvas boot. Uh, it's uh, Lister. It's part of the season one Red Dwarf uniform. Oh, okay. Uh, except it's in black there, so you can't really tell that it's canvas. Anyway, mine are olive green. I uh, started wearing those. I used the opportunity to get rid of a lot of stuff that was in that closet, including a couple of pairs of shoes. But I started wearing those again, and I was like, man, I do kind of like these canvas shoes. Yeah. I wish I wish Chuck Taylors came in wide widths, and it turns out that they do now. Oh, good. Well, there you go. So And, yeah, and so have went, they, in fact, been widened enough? Is the wide fit wide enough? Uh, Are they girthy a, enough uh, for your big old chonky ones? This is the first full day wear, but so far they're holding up. Okay. That's good. Uh, I could maybe have gone even half a size smaller. They tell you to size down. Okay. For whatever reason. 
anyway, so far so good. But yeah, I went and designed a custom, custom pair. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I was happy with mine. I mean, I, I should have been because I designed them. So I give them one, one more shot. These okay. shoes because I wore them, you know, through my childhood <laughs> and through high school. I just at some point I was like, I've never had a pair of these where I liked the way they fit. Uh, is it part of your? Do you like them particularly because it's part of your fantasy of playing uh, basketball for Indiana in the 70s? That is correct, yeah. So today's kind of a rough day for you because RIP Bobby Knight? Yeah, it is a rough day for me for sure um, when I saw that news. Also, it was one of those things where the way it was presented to me, the way I saw it, um, was not because the, his bush was all over Reddit. I did see it on Reddit. <laughs> I was going to say, which, but... which magazine did he post for? <laughs> That's a good. It's a good question. No, but it was. It was one of. The, it was phrased really weird. Like a family announces that Bob Knight passes at eighty three, and then a picture of it. And I'm like, a who calls him Bob Knight? Yeah, right. And B, why is it important that his family announced it? <laughs> I guess that was to make absolutely clear that the University of Indiana is still not interested in associating with him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even in his death. Yeah. I did see that. Um, Too choky. Yeah, he was I mean, just a little choky. You can't, you gotta like, you you could choke someone every once in a while, you know? And most don't universities. Don't go nuts are, with it. Yeah, universities will be okay with it. But if you're just like choke happy and you're just constantly choking people, they're like. Yeah. Just in an moderation image in all things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, no, it is part of that same thing. That is, um, that is also why I uh, have, I buy basketball shorts, but they're not long. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, real fucking nut huggers. Just yeah, like a shelf for your nuts. Just holding them up. And why I wear tube socks with two stripes near the top. Yeah, man, varsity stripes. Exactly. You're not a fucking moron. Um, yeah, you've got you went through a bad run with house stuff, and then your computer got bit as well. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, last Wednesday, my computer was acting real bad it was it was re- being really rude the mm-hmm. fans were all blowing at full blast yeah i hate that like and, you were on a fandom website but you weren't on one but i wasn't but i you know i was like i don't know some I, i'm not convinced sometimes that firefox shuts everything down hmm. when, oh just because yeah. you close the window <laughs> it's, it might I mean? still be going <laughs> You like kind of don't get your performance back sometimes after you close a fandom wiki. For no, it's like a bank. They need some of your performance to keep mm-hmm. keep Firefox running. So I was like, "Ooh, time for a good old restart," and it uh, it did not restart. It just uh, hung there for a second, and then there was a click, and the whole screen was black. And I was like, mm, "That's not how this works." No, you said I've and restarted this before, to- and that's not what happened. When I got it to boot, it, it said CPU over temperature, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. But yeah, it turned out to only be out of action for about three days. But it was long enough for us to try the pirate game on the Steam Deck. Yeah. Which turned out to be totally serviceable. Yeah, I did pirate from the Steam Deck that night. Did you even get a little motion sick, or was it was it all good? Uh, I took the drugs, so there's no way to know what would have happened. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't going to risk it. I wasn't going to risk ruining the rest of my day. Even no. though it's not long. No, because when you get that, dude, first time we played, I got <laughs> so sick. So, like, the I literally did ruin the entire night. I just laid in bed for a while 
and then that's like all you can all you can tolerate until i was not sick enough to actually fall asleep and that was the entire night after that so yeah that game can do that for you for sure yeah <clears throat> um you know i've been dealing with that problem since uh mario 64 so well that game had the particularly janky cameras they had not quite figured out the uh, 3d camera system yet because even i mean i don't usually get sick from games but there were portions of that game where you had to uh get up and take a walk or something so you wouldn't just yart all over the place i mean i still played that one and i played um sunshine sure but i have kind of stayed away from all the 3d mario since i never played galaxy i never played odyssey right marshawn and i played a little bit of odyssey but um i don't know after a while it's like they're not really changing much you know, like the big jump was 2D to 3D, and then like all of them, the 3D ones are kind of they're kind of playing in the same space. And then it's just is the level design good or not? Yep. But even playing the 2D one, the new 2D one, I beat it. Nice. I beat that thing. Did you beat the super I haven't extra special percented levels? It. Okay. Yeah, the the special the special levels I still haven't beat. Tubular and all. There's that. two I haven't even there's two I haven't even tried, and one that I burned like 40 or 50 one ups on. Oh, okay. But um, it's nasty. It's a, it's a rhythm level. You have to jump oh. to the rhythm, oh. except except that it is. Uh, it's a nasty level, and if you ever if you ever play it and get to that, we'll talk about it. But okay. it. Uh, I should. Pro- it sounds like I should enlist Ben's help because he's so good at the rhythm games. <laughs> so- <laughs> you better be great at that one. Yo, we played a you game really- night where we actually played games. Uh, which was yeah. great. And we played the new Jackbox Party Pack, and there was a rhythm game in it, and Ben was incomprehensibly bad. I, re, re, truly, we re, discovered a surprising weakness. <laughs> he hit two notes right the whole time in one of the games. <laughs> there was, I mean, there was a round where you had 151 consecutive <laughs> hits on this rhythm, so it wasn't that hard. No, it was I had not a hard game. That same, that same round. He... He, I don't know, he missed 150 notes entirely, <laughs> something like that. Too. I wonder if he correctly synced up the, syncing, the phone or if he did the same thing Shannon did where he just tapped three times. Yeah, but the syncing was just so that in real time you could like, if you were listening to what everyone was doing, yes. that it was synced up. Like it, it was still on your screen. You just hit whenever the little button says to hit. Yes, you should be able to just hit. Because I didn't sync it right the first the time we played because I didn't know what was happening. So mine was totally oh, yeah. out of sync, but I was just hitting when the when the little circle filled up or whatever. When it yeah, when it got into the zone. But yeah. I wonder if Ben never played rock you had rock band, right? I did, yeah, I had rock band. <clears throat> I had rock band two even. Rock band with a much worse controller. I had rock band twice. The second time I was like I was telling Marjon, look, if I buy this, we actually have to play it. Like, we really got to play it, because I got to buy all these fucking peripherals. Because the fucking peripherals. They're yeah. going to take up space and everything. Like, any, I'm, I'm making an investment not just in cash, but in space. So, like, we got to actually play it. I think we played that fucker one fucking time. And then this, this instruments like, just sat again. there for, like, 18 months before I jettisoned the whole thing again. When uh, Rocksmith, or whatever the one is that works on an actual guitar, came out, was she interested again? No, I don't even know if she knows She's what that is. She's never even hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <clears throat> it teaches you to play a real guitar. Because we played the first rock band plenty, but that was when we, that was back in Boston when we'd actually have people over to our place and like, 
Right. Like you played, you could do party yeah, it's a party stuff. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just us. We didn't, we didn't play that thing. All right, should we do the mailbag here? Yeah, we should. We don't need to burn time on this. We no, got to talk about three fucking Star Treks. So many Star Treks to talk about. Mailbag by Brother Dave. It's all from Ryan this week. Um, uh, back on the 19th, he wrote, I do schedule most aspects of my life, but more so with those activities where it helps wifey to know not to book me for any plans. Mm. So um, I've known Ryan a long time. And I like Ryan, and he knows that. <laughs> but he owns a hot tub, and he does refer to his wife as wifey. Yeah, I and know. Yeah, those, those are, are red my flags. two favorite aspects of his personality. Yeah, yeah red flags right. for sure. You you hear both of those things, you're like, I mean, that's two strikes. Now maybe she has told him, "Don't say my name on that podcast." <laughs> and, yeah, the, which would be smart. The the podcast for goons. Don't I don't want to be on that. Yeah. Her because her reputation is not yet uh, fully ruined. No, but yeah. yeah, I mean we've talked about it before. I do wonder if people ever check to see the things that my wife has tweeted and who is retweeting it, and see that. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, this is my Gollum impression. Retweeted your 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 tweet or whatever. And that one's great too because it changes week by week. Yeah, it's always some, but it's always some creep. It's, it's clear that it's, it's never a creep. good. Yeah. The best one was when it was the uh, BJ Buddies Billy Joel fan club or whatever. <laughs> that was probably the least embarrassing one. Yeah, they're all pretty tough. So, yeah. So if that's her policy, that's smart. She should not have her name on this podcast. Yeah, it could be that. But it's uh, fine. We know Ryan... lots of people named Krista, so it's not the end of the world. <laughs> could be any of them. Married to Ryan. That's right. <laughs> Uh, it could be any any Krista that works at the tech. That's right. Um, <laughs> on the 19th, he wrote, uh, multiplayer has not changed much talking about Call of Duty. The various types of Battle Royale are pretty cool, though. I don't know. I, I, never I don't really know about Battle it. Royales. I watched some. Yeah. I used to watch some people play the uh, PUBG. PUBG, when that was, when it blew up. Yeah, it seemed interesting, but I, I never, not interesting enough for me to ever try to play it. Um. I don't know if I'd be better or worse at it, honestly. I, I don't. I'd have to play it to find out. But uh, I knew I wasn't like, mm, you know, the best at first-person shooters and stuff, or even third-person shooters if that's how you play it. <clears throat> so, there's a battle royale mode in uh, Forza Horizon. Oh, called the Eliminator. Oh, I and, remember uh, that. That's a driving one too. That's even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And about about every five or six weeks. There, I need to do that mm-hmm. to unlock a particular reward in the weekly whatever. And you only have to finish 30th, and I don't think it's ever started with more than 52 people. And I hate it every time. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I don't like it either. It's just me trying to drive around and avoid everyone for long enough for... Other uh, people to fuck up. Other people to fuck up and for the number to get down to 30, and then I'll go try to seek someone out and, and just hopefully lose. Yeah, that's my strategy uh, every time I have to play like, something I won't, like that. I won't intentionally lose. I'll run the race, but I do hope I get beat. <laughs> you're the perf- You're exactly what they have in mind when they set up those modes. They Probably. Want, they want 52 people out there that just, just don't fucking want to win. No matter what. Uh, they also had the one where there's like capture the flag where you gotta like yeah the playground sucks too yeah I hate that didn't like that one at all yeah there the way I pick which ones to do 
is I need to get enough points to unlock whatever car I'm trying to unlock, right? But mm-hmm. then also, if there's something that you can't buy that that's being awarded, right? Like, if it's like a special piece of clothing or an emote or a car horn or something, I usually grab those just because in case I get completionist about it. Yeah. I, I need to I need to do it that way. Um, this last week there was a playground games one where it was like uh deny five flags in a play in playground games and I was like, Oh god That could take me all day to do correctly. Yeah. If I get a if I if I load in and it's uh nine of the nine other people are all prestige seven or whatever. Yeah. I'm just not gonna do be able to do that. So I actually went and looked to see if I had the car horn or whatever that was there, because they don't tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I found out that I did have it already and didn't need to go for that, I was uh, very pleased. Yeah, I've done things where I've been like, oh, I'm positioned so perfect. I am 100% going to be able to deny this dude as he tries to get into my fucking zone over here. And it's like, nah, he zipped right past me. I didn't do shit. <laughs> I didn't do a fucking thing. I'm glad I, yeah. that I'm glad that I don't talk to the other people because they'd hear me saying stuff like that. They'd just hear me going, "You fucking didn't do anything, you worthless fuck." <laughs> Once again, you didn't do fucking anything. <laughs> oh. Um. So yeah, my excitement about doing battle royales in general is very, very low. Yeah, but I mean, it's um, you're already once you're signed up to do Call of Duty, you're already you're already in it to get your ass kicked by strangers. So. Oh yeah, that's for not sure. That different. I just hope that I do something so surprising and upsetting that someone sends me a private message about it. <laughs> this is my greatest day in my gaming career was when that guy got so mad that yeah. he had to. I know he had to get on his fucking. Oh yeah, type it out with a ass. controller. Yeah. yeah, it's so hard to send a message. They don't make it easy. I mean, again, unless you weirdly have a keyboard connected to your Xbox or whatever. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, to send someone a message takes a lot of effort. So you must have sent something truly magnificent. I don't know if that guy was on my team and saw me walk right into a fucking huge uh, cannonade of fire and get shot down. Or if well, that it, dude was like, I got this guy. And then I fucking randomly spazzed out and turned around and shot him somehow. For me, it would have been someone on my team watching me as I have someone hella lined up. But so afraid that I'm going to miss that I try to get closer. And then the guy turns around and just fucking gats me right in the face. No confidence at all in myself. So I'm just like, oh, I got him lined up. I better get closer, though. And just follow him around like six more turns. And then he eventually turns around and blasts me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could have had him if I'd done. If I'd Man, done I know the exact anything. feeling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't no scoping oh. anybody, man. If I did, it's an accident. So. Yeah, 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 for sure. I've definitely have killed some people and gone. I have no idea what happened there. Yeah, yeah. You wait for a replay or something. You're like, hey, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be able to see what happened because I don't know how I got a kill on that. <laughs> oh, uh, also on the 19th, Ryan wrote, "My ERG, I think that's Employee Resource Group, mm. is in charge of the mobile blood donation drives. And normally I do platelets outside the office, but when donating at the office, I really can't justify anything more than regular red due to the time constraints. Man, I would block two hours off on my calendar. Yeah." I'd give blood twice. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, guys, I'm doing a good deed. You're not going to be able to get a hold of me. What can I do? These people need my blood. They call me every day. So I just got to give it to them. I mean, that's what I do. I block off my calendar and I go down there and sip on a fucking apple juice, you know? 
And he moved back from management to an IC position. <coughs> so he probably just has a certain amount of work he has to get done. And if he spends extra time at the blood drive, they don't give a shit. That don't help him in any way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> uh but yeah, I in the everyone will be happy to know that in the uh, past two weeks I did not figure out where I could give blood and start doing it. I know I said I should be doing that. But I still haven't gotten around to it. That's all right. I I said I was going to give my blood even if it was jack full of Excedrin, and I still haven't found time to do it either. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way Maybe. to give them my blood at this point. Honestly, I'm just living on the Excedrin, so it's they're going to have to take it from me like that. Maybe after the daylight savings change up here when uh they're for like for one week it's light when i wake up yeah because it won't it's not gonna stay that way nah, it's a but, little bump but right now i'm very sleepy and getting up in the dark i know is what's doing it to me yeah it does kind of suck it does throw off your whole morning yeah but man i am uh, uh, i'm definitely i'm sleeping to my alarm to my limit because it's so nice and dark but then the getting up sucks. Hey, is it the World Series? Yeah, the the Rangers are up three to one or something in the series. Uh, I just see that no hitter is trending. Oh, a World Series no hitter, fancy. Yeah, I don't know if that probably not if that done. is a no hitter in progress or if someone got uh, a no hitter. Nah, we're just through six innings, so there's still plenty of time. Nah, there you so that's way too early to be talking about a no hitter. Yeah, and they should know better. Whoever's trending that, idiots. Maybe it's a bunch of people saying, I know it's too early to say no hitter. Oh, and now that I've checked, I see there are now two hits. So Ah, we'll forget it. Two hits and four hits. So ain't no one no hitting nothing. Yeah, I have not uh, paid back... any attention to baseball at all. Uh, I hear oh, yeah, I, I hear about it every once in a while, but yeah, I don't give I, a shit. I heard from our mother many times that baseball is dead in that house now. <laughs> Baseball's done. I, I, again... I have not declared that she is not allowed to watch baseball. I don't care. I'm just, I cannot, cannot give a fuck about it. I hope she doesn't think I have banned it from the house. I'm not our father. I don't have, I don't care enough for that. To announce that he was no longer a fan of baseball and then watch every single baseball <laughs> game. And if a commercial came on, switch over to another baseball game. Exactly. For uh, Literally until no the very last moment of your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, dude died watching an A's playoff game. That's uh huh. That's how it goes. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm not like that at all. I haven't watched a game in like two years. So, <laughs> apparently, it is not something I need in my life. I, I mean, it, it is at a point now where I doubt I know the names of five current players in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, for one thing, they were already baseball was already becoming less of a national sport and more of a niche local sport, but. If you ain't trying to pay attention, it's easy not to. So, I mean, listen, I, I've said it. I don't even watch uh, Spy Party anymore. Yeah, man, that was your one sport. I just don't. I just don't have time for it. Nah, that's the thing. By which I mean, I have an infinite amount of time to play Starfield <laughs> on the weekend, but I'm not. You're not willing to yeah. sacrifice any of that time. No. Yeah. To watch baseball? No. No, I haven't played a video game in like. Uh, other than with you, in, like, more than two weeks of any kind. Because <laughs> I am quite busy, and uh, when I have had a few moments, I'm just, like, my brain is so fried, I just sit and, like, stare at stare at my phone or something until I'm sleepy. 
That's it. So I haven't played Starfield since I completed the lock. <laughs> so you've done the second mission in the Crimson Fleet quest, and that's where you <laughs> stopped. Yeah, I'm not far into anything. Because I jump around, well, did, I can't help it. I'm did, like, I should do one in this other mission chain, too. <clears throat> did you or didn't you... Did you rat out Mathis? I did not. Okay. Uh, he was such a shit disturber that I came to appreciate it. I had respect for uh, that. Is a, there's a, a fun part of that quest line is that basically after every mission, you get a chance to tell Delgado, don't let this guy in the fleet <laughs> for about somebody. Right. And then he always, he always doesn't. Uh, and then at the end, if you choose to fight against the pirates, yeah. Uh, if you, if you tell him to let those guys in the fleet, they're all there with their ships fighting against you. Oh. And if you don't, they aren't. That's interesting. So, yep. All right, well, good to know. Maybe I will rat some guys out then, moving forward. Um, but if you if you rat out Mathis, then uh, later when you jump into some random system, he comes at you. Ah, uh, well, he um he had a little bit of Kwong Su. He puts Su a little crew him. together and comes at you. He he had some Kwong Su in him, so I kept him around just for entertainment. <laughs> he does have he kind of does have Kwong Su <laughs> energy. The way he is constantly trying to betray, but it never really works out for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that one. I got to do that one again soon. I'm rerunning the Freestar Rangers quest right now. I assume I'll pick it up again at some point. I just I haven't had the juice. Well, they have another patch coming next week to the beta channel. So Is it going to fix their fix horrifying faces? Uh, no, nah. because <laughs> I still don't like looking at them. Nah, that uh, there's no patch that can fix that. <laughs> They're sometimes quite monstrous in their expressions, and you just go, "What the? F-? What they? They just looked at that and said, we're good. Move on to the next thing.'" I mean, it <laughs> was like that in fine. Skyrim too, but oftentimes their faces were real grimy or had weird war paint on them or whatever. Sure, I mean, and the graphics were even worse, obviously, because the game was from 2011. So it was kind of just like, I ain't even here for the graphics. It don't matter. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, these faces I take do me out, man. One thing I really like is the inconsistent lip dub. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's going to say a line. Is his mouth going to move or not? <laughs> yeah, it's a guessing game, for sure. Uh, on the 19th, Ryan wrote about Peanut Hamper. Hmm. I've got her at three episodes so far. Yeah, I disagree about it being good Star Trek. Oh, that's, that is your right. Um, and when you, uh, when you join this project and you watch hundreds and hundreds of Star Trek episodes, your opinion will, uh, will fucking matter, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this is the closest you can get to being an expert on Star Trek without being York. I mean, Yerk. Yerk rhymes with Kirk. Yeah. Okay. I know everything about Star Trek. When Marjon asks me, who's that guy? I go, all right, hold on. And I pause <laughs> and I go, we got to go way back. <laughs> okay. Do you <laughs> cast your mind back to Deep Space Nine season one or something? <laughs> you just have to like, right. After a while, it's like, ah, shit, I know too much about this. I should probably just go. I don't know anything about The Witcher. Yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> uh, speaking of Yurk, did you see the... Uh, he posted something, just something from Lower Decks. He's on a big Lower Decks kick right now. Yeah. And it looks like they named an episode Parth of Lower Decks. Heart Place. Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. Mm-hmm. And that's such a... 
out of left field. So there is a, I think it's on Netflix. There's a, a British show that I think ran one season or something called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. <laughs> yep. That is a spoof horror show. Yep. And I'm like, what a weird pull. I guess yeah. Ferengi and Marenghi rhyme. That's true. But man. Yeah. No, it's, um, uh, again, it is the best Star Trek show. I watched an episode the other day that had a, uh, uh, references to um, oh, what's his fucking name? Uh, the Colvin Starburst guy. Um, not Tom Paris, but Nick Lacarno. Yeah, Nick Lacarno and uh, Thomas Riker references in it. Yes, the other two were Beverly Crusher and Hold On, because there were four. What was the other one? Seven of nine. Know. Okay. Yeah. Those are the four people seen like, on that. Yerk, Yerk posted it. So. Yeah, it was funny. Then Nick Lacarno on the show. After they've already, they previously had Tom Paris on the show, so they <laughs> they've kept the both of those characters going. Well, luckily they don't need a new model. That's right. To send a the animators in. Uh, I don't know. You think they're paying Korean money for this? I doubt it. That's that's pretty old school. That's twenty year twenty years ago stuff when it was Korean animators. Uh, he goes on to say Strange New Worlds might be my favorite, but Lower Decks might well be in second place for me. Yeah, Strange New Worlds isn't too bad. It's more like what Star Trek, uh, used to be, which is, you know, new adventures every week. They're trying to say something in the episodes. It would work on the rubric. Like, they're, right. they're in, they're self-contained episodes that are supposed to have some kind of moral or lesson or something. So, in that way, it's kind of like, uh, Prodigy, the one that got canceled or moved to netflix i don't really know what ended up happening with uh that. yeah i mean i think the season two will air because it was pretty much done but i think it may still be canceled it was for uh fucking babies or whatever but i appreciated the clarity of it and i was like this yep. is at least watchable unlike these extremely convoluted live action star treks that i cannot fucking understand or uh watch to conclusion so uh, particularly Discovery and Picard, which are fucking horrifying. <laughs> wow. Uh, we'll see. We're we're in the point of our TV cycle now here, where we are starting to catch up on. Oh, there's a new season of X or a new season of Y. Like mm-hmm. we uh, have started the last season of Mandalorian, which is yeah. now several months old. <clears throat> yeah. I so remember it. We'll probably get to discovery again at some point although we may have two seasons of that to watch yeah i think there were five seasons yes yeah. uh and then of the episode ashes to ashes ryan writes i think it was a huge miss to strenuously avoid any philosophical conversations as you put it if any 21st century human civilization found out that there was some other civilization robbing our graves and reanimating our dead there would very likely be war yeah, but Voyager don't care about none of that. Voyager also doesn't have the capacity to make war. Nah, they just they just uh, shoot a bunch of stuff and then fucking flee. And uh, even less so than Kirk, are they interested in knowing whether they did anything? Yeah, they don't care whether they true. changed anything. They just they just they just pew pew pew, and then they get out of town. So, however, Ryan, it does lead to war. In Star Trek Online, <laughs> in the Delta Quadrant arc, 
where you return and revisit everything that happened in Voyager. Ryan, are you and, playing STO? And Gaul is back, and he... Oh, I know that guy. He and his people are at war with the Kobali about it. I know about Ga- Gaul. You know the guy who turned out mysteriously halfway through to be in command? <laughs> Of, uh, of, of those the, people? Of the Vodwar? The Vodwar. <laughs> the, yeah. the first guy, it seemed like he was in charge just because he met Voyager. Uh-huh. And then halfway uh-huh. through, you're like, I guess this other guy's in charge? Wait, what's that? I guess it makes sense that the guy who's responsible for the cryo chamber isn't the leader of their civilization. <laughs> but it certainly seemed like he was for a while there. But, he, there was, but then, was don't no worry. Where he introduced him to Janeway. There was a different confusion that happened when that guy turned on his people for reasons that were yes. never explained. I'll help you, Voyager. There's... There's only like a thousand of my people left, but I'll help you for if some fucking reason. Not a good Listen, one. sometimes a show, a Star Trek particularly, stumbles upon an interesting idea and then refuses to engage with that idea. Star Trek does it often. There's a lot of and things. And then we get on this podcast and just go, huh. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the overriding message of the entire podcast is just like... What were they? What, what what were they doing? Why'd they do that? Or why didn't they do that? That should be the name of the podcast. Why'd they do that? Or why didn't they do that? Uh, finally, in the mailbag. Uh, well, we've never come up with a name for this Star Trek parts of this podcast. No, no, it's just uh, Star Star Trek's edition is what it used to be called. That's what you call it. That's what it was mostly called until we consolidated the editions, and then about three episodes ago, you stopped referring to it as anything. <laughs> yep. And, and every time you say "Welcome to Brother Date," I, I expect you to say "Mailbag Edition." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, it took me a while to remember that there's just the one. Uh, my memory's not so good. Well, the uh, the last tweet we have this week, uh, you reposted Bum Chillups. Who yes. himself was retweeting the video of the Robert E. Lee statue getting melted down? <laughs> and, and said, uh, and his he said, "I say, I say, sir, this flower is wilting. Could you not spare a gentleman a frosty julep or two? Yeah, this is uh, giving him the old foghorn leghorn treatment. Ain't nobody know what Robert E. Lee sounded like, but it could be foghorn leghorn. Isn't there an audio? Is there an audio recording of Abraham Lincoln? No, there's, but I think." He is reported to have had a high-pitched voice, right? And that's yeah, that's why, why when you got the that. Daniel Day-Lewis movie, he's like, I'm Abe Lincoln! <laughs> like, what's happening? Also, why did he have to say that part? We know. Yeah, yeah what, well, like, all, I mean, listen, if you're doing an impression, and Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> is a pro, he knows this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important to start by saying who you're impersonating. Yeah. That, that way nobody feels confused and then they feel dumb. I think he looks People like he's like Abe Lincoln, but dumb. I don't know if the voice matches. He could be playing anybody, honestly. The, the name of the movie is Lincoln. Yeah, I know. It's confusing. I don't know who I ain't. Uh, I ain't seen that movie. Uh-huh. This is, again, not surprising. That could be another thing we could call this podcast. I, I ain't seen that one. I ain't <laughs> never seen that movie. That's true. Uh, so for me, you know, my Abe Lincoln reference is... Uh, is the Abe Lincoln from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and then to a lesser extent, the uh, Abe Lincoln from, <laughs> from uh, the from the TOS episode. <coughs> well, I like obviously we like that uh, Lincoln and Bill and Ted has to remind the the guy how his name is spelled. <laughs> oh, Ellen, <laughs> and uh, 
there's not much to like about TOS Lincoln. It's not a ton. He says some things. Well, he refers to Uhura in a way, a in particular a way. way. Yep. And he, even he says, ha, that's how, that's how people <laughs> in my time, I assume he's using the high pitch too, right? That's how people in my time would have said it. You're really hitting Mark Twain. You're really hitting that <laughs> T, uh, TNG Mark Twain there. Except you got to add in some uh, real ah, disturbed, mischievous ah. laughter. Because the Mark Twain from TNG was a little unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Well, that's the end of the mailbag. Thank God. Um, it remains only to discuss the three episodes of Star Trek from week 137. Yeah. I, Since Voyager shat the bed again last week. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start there. And we are going to watch, uh, discuss Child's Play. Don't make me watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched I'm it sorry. once, and that's for the rest of my days. That was the last time I will watch that episode. No, but we'll send the, we'll spend the self same forty three minutes talking about it. Oh yeah, well, there's lots to say. Yeah. Okay, Voyager, which has five and only five children aboard, is hosting its first annual science fair. Yo, man, what happened to that baby though? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Where the baby's did it too young for the science go? Fair, I mean. No one's talked about it since the doctor made the captain hold it while he put some fucking poison in her other hand or whatever. Yep. At the science fair, which does not include the baby. The baby didn't do a diaper experiment or anything. No, nothing at all. The uh, Borg twins have cloned potatoes. The little girl, Mazzotti, has a glowing ant colony. It's three-dimensional. That's pretty cool. Sure. Uh, Naomi Wildman has a cool holographic globe of her father's home planet and seems to know all about the mountains and weather conditions of it. Yep, sure. But show-off Echeb has built a gravimetric sensor array to look for wormholes. Looks like a little and, uh, fucking Incan pyramid or something. Yeah. Or it didn't... Yeah. I was going to ask if it was more like a mastaba than a step pyramid, but... It seemed pretty steppy to me, man. Maybe. I don't remember. It's got at least two of them. But it was all... It had lights on like Christmas lights on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone is fucking impressed by this thing. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it maybe being able to help Voyager find a way home. And fucking... Let's see, I guess. Yeah. It seems like these guys are just going to keep showing up. Uh, Seven of Nine... Tells Janeway that Icheb hopes to earn a posting in astrometrics, you know, one day. But Janeway says, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, I didn't say nothing to him, and I didn't say nothing to anyone until right now, but we did find his parents, and we're taking him <laughs> home. Yep. And I assume this is what happened to that fucking baby. Like, no one even told Seven to Nine. They just found that baby's home yeah. and brought the baby there and left it in front of a fire station and... uh they actually, know, maybe, they maybe down seven of nine thought, why are we stopping here? But, you know, it's they, fucking Voyager. They fucking beam down. They put the baby down. And uh, I imagine it was Schmullis, the mobile emitter. And then he just shrugged his shoulders just like really angrily. Yeah. At a, at a fireman on this planet. 
and then walked away. Like, we don't need this fucking baby. You take it. That's what I imagine. Well, now that Janeway's told Seven of Nine what's happening, she probably went right over and told each other, right? Well, no. <laughs> turns out not. Because uh, he goes off and works a whole shift in the IMAX theater. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's juiced up the scanners. And he's scanning uh, a bunch of star systems that were visited in earlier Star Trek, so you know they're far away. Like, Nimbus 3 is fucking one of them. Oh, man, that's so fucking far. I know all about yep. that place. Yep. Shipping uh, animals coming out of the sand and attacking you and shit. I mean, it sucked Garbage. 70 years ago. We haven't checked back in on it unless it's in Lower Decks. It's probably in Lower Decks. I mean, probably. Uh, But no. Seven also can't bring herself to tell him that it, now it's time to go be 17 on some hick planet. All she can muster up is to tell him, yeah, it's bedtime. Just go to bed. Yeah. And then she goes to um, to ask Janeway for all the data they've collected on his species. Why? I don't know. She's thinking about it. <laughs> sure. We know that she is affected in ways by this yeah. news. Uh, Janeway gives her a pep talk on how to prepare Echeb for this transition. And... Um, and I guess that does the trick, because when she goes to the bedroom that she shares now with four children, which has got to be super cool. Yeah, she didn't have much. Pri- okay, we talked about this. She already had no privacy. Her room was the room people came into to say bitchy things to her and then leave. Yep. But now, yeah, now she shares it with all these fucking kids. And, and by the way, yep, yep. two of those kids are twins. Fuck that. Oh, I know. Horrifying. Uh... She finds Echeb is uh, he's he's been staying up late. He's playing Civ Two on the little stand up computer in the middle of the room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she breaks the news to him. He's got to go pull a plow on some farm with parents he doesn't remember, and he's never going to see Seven or the other Borg buddies again. Yeah, and he can forget all about neutrinos and wormholes. Yeah, you've seen this kid's calves, man. He ain't got the plowing in him. No, 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 no. You weren't built for it. Well, sure enough, the planet is a bombed-out shithole. <laughs> it's less than a light-year away from a Borg transwarp conduit, and they have wrecked up the place several times. Yeah. They didn't, like, straight scoop it out of the ground like they do sometimes, but they've definitely fucked it. Uh, no. I mean, the farm is definitely in a scoop Oh, cave. did they scoop it? <laughs> okay. a big scoop crater, yeah. All right, well. They scooped um, it, guys. Guys, they, the Borg fucking scooped it. They did the scoop. Yeah. They did the scoop for sure. Schmollis gives a pretty bad pep talk to Echeb. He's feeling nervous about his parents. He doesn't want to go, but uh, it's not his call. He's a kid. So they all beam down to a farmstead in a literal bomb crater. And uh, and they meet the parents, Lucon, who is played by the Battlestar Galactica guy. Thank you. The, the blind space lawyer. Yes, exactly. And Yifei, played by a woman who had a named role in Last of the Mohicans, but doesn't seem to have acted since 2002. Nah, she's one, she's one of the settlers, for sure. She's, uh, yep. Her whole lot end up dead. And they, they aren't fucking strangers, and they stay where they lie. <laughs> they ain't no scout. What movie is this? I'm doing a western <laughs> at the same time, I can't figure out which one I'm in. And I certainly not... ain't in no damn militia. I'm not committed to my craft yet in the <laughs> way that the I thing. will be. All the stories are about how he was making his own canoes and shit. 
Yeah. But he just thought he was, he also thought he was John Wayne or fucking, uh, I don't know. One, some fucking. My favorite part was definitely when he said, Ferengi. <laughs> um, well, Egypt says hi to his parents and then asks immediately to return to Voyager. He, uh, even though his nice brother was there and waved at him, he didn't like it down on that farm. Yeah, I definitely have that guy as a worst actor candidate. <laughs> his nice brother who's constantly shouting from across the field or whatever. Yep. Yeah. That is his trait, is that he's uh, Always 50 away. feet away and shouting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never get up close with that guy. Um, Back on the ship, uh, Janeway has his parents brought in so everyone can talk it out. But uh, now Seven's real snotty in this meeting. Mm. She keeps raising all kinds of objections, but these guys are like, we got a doctor on like a pretty decent ag program. We're more than just a football team. That's right. <laughs> Hey, by the way, didn't we have this scene last week when the lady's dad had to come on board and they had a, a uh-huh. weird conversation about the kid coming home? We just uh-huh. did this. We did just do this. Fucking A. Um, eventually, Janeway sends uh, Seven away because she's getting shitty. Uh, she invites the family to stay on Voyager for a while to help, you know, smooth the transition. And then she goes to have words with Seven who thinks the whole planet isn't worth protecting and each up's going to get assimilated again. And Janeway hits her with the old psychiatry bat and asks Ooh. if she's mad at each parents or her own. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, she says both. Nah, she she's say, ready for it, man. True, she fucking, she fucking puts that one in the gap. She's yep. ready for that shit. Um, seven agrees to stay out of it. If Janeway will let each make his own decision. Um, but now we see him with the other Borg buddies and they're all like, is your mom pretty? And what's it like to have parents and shit? Yeah. So that's starting to work on him a little. And then seven comes to take him to dinner with his parents. And he doesn't want to go do that either. He's a little shit about it, but eventually he does eat a meal of what looked to me like stovetop stuffing, (laughs) raw cranberries and, uh, (laughs) but some kind of dumpling. But I absolutely would try. Yeah, you gotta try the dumpling at least. But they yeah. did—they did look like completely raw cranberries. I mean, it was just raw cran big ones too. Mm, so bitter, sour—I <laughs> don't know what it is. We eat this, but it's so well, much. Once a year. <laughs> uh, I guess it tastes okay because he thaws a little, and then after a commercial break, we see him down on the farm. And he's getting a tour of his family's pretty high-tech setup, which includes, like, a CRISPR machine for making genetically modified crops. And... Yeah, man, and I'm going to say a sentence I don't think anyone's ever said before. That CRISPR was a woody. <laughs> Did you see how it was all wood? Yep. How'd that work? Hey, guys, hold on. Um, you made your CRISPR out listen, of wood? If you're going to Surf City, look like plywood. Where it's there's two girls for every guy, <laughs> you definitely do want to take a Woody. You gotta take a Woody. In this case, the CRISPR was a Woody. Yeah, you're right though. That is a new sentence for sure. <laughs> uh, now Echeb wants to stay the night, so they head back to the ship to set up a regeneration unit for him, so that he could spend at least one night there. And Egypt's dad is trying to be diplomatic with Seven about her obvious issues. Yeah. And they get to talking about how Egypt was taken. And he says, Egypt snuck off to look at a new piece of farming technology, but the Borg ended up assimilating that and everyone who was, like, 
in the general area, and he blames himself for that. Yeah. The way you described that um, made me think that maybe he went to the authorities, but they told him that, like, it didn't matter because he chipped, like, almost wasn't, like, wasn't a real really person. A per- yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, like, wasn't supposed to be there. Right, exactly. Um, Back on the planet, his parents turn out to be uh, smarter than he thinks, too. They make him explain to them that the thing Voyager wants most is to get home. Mm. It's, like, real Socratic method stuff, and, of course... He hasn't been around Voyager long enough to figure out that that's not quite true. No, and luckily Troy's not there either to absolutely mislead him on the home stretch about what the fucking conclusion is. <laughs> and meaning that he's <laughs> unconventional and that he can only be the man he is meant to be. Yep. Wow. Wait, nope. We went off track there. I. I took the wrong turn. There's not a crowd here waiting for me at the end of this marathon. I went right into a fucking cranberry bog. Thanks Whoops. a lot. People eat this? <laughs> oh, they're so It's got a big mouthful as I went in. Sour or something. Did they just sit here in their own filth? This is what we do? Um, the next day, Egypt goes to tell Seven that he does want to stay with his parents after all. But uh uh-oh, there's like 15 minutes left in the episode. Yeah. So something else must be coming. 15 minutes of heartfelt farewells. Yeah, that doesn't seem right, huh? Yep. Uh, Seven gives him like a couple of years worth of homework and a telescope, and she puts him on the transporter pad. And then she goes to bed, but little Mazzotti can't sleep. She's like, I miss Echeb. I'm worried he's going to get assimilated again. <laughs> and uh, Seven said, listen, this planet sucks in a way you've never experienced. And the <laughs> Borg are not going to come by and take this kid. And she's like, yeah, I mean, all right, but he was on a ship last time. Yeah. And uh, Seven goes, wait, what? <laughs> Hold on, what? <laughs> Turns out the dad, he's just not a good liar. <laughs> no. We'll talk about it, but like. When they go over what has happened on that planet, he could have just picked any of the events that they talk about and said, that's when uh-huh. they got him. <laughs> yep. They got him not when the Borg literally actually did attack nine actually years ago. That's when they got him. Ago and assimilated people. That's when they got him. But nah, they don't. He, doesn't, he didn't no. say that. He made up a new thing. <laughs> he made up a new incident. Yeah. He didn't say, he didn't think about it for a second and say, well, he was on a shuttle going to see his uncle who lives on a moon. We almost never got to talk to him now because of the Borg. Anyway, the Borg got him. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those things that uh, I guess Seven only remembers the things from when she was a Borg. She's not. She didn't. She didn't put any new information into her brain about these Borgs. Sure. Because she hadn't. She didn't know about this. No, no, no. For sure. But she. Uh, she does call Janeway to the astrometrics lab at three in the morning because now she's been looking at the Borg data and there's a, there's some inconsistencies in the father's story. And she demands to go back to the planet and get an explanation. Janeway, of course, would rather let the whole thing go. She's tired, man. She's sleepy. So, so Seven has to do a, a double reverse psychology attack on her and yeah. say... Listen, I don't want to be a bad parent the way my parents were to me. And then Jane was like, you got me. You got me. I'm the one who said this was about your parents. Yep. Meanwhile, down on the planet, each of his parents didn't even wait one day. 
Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're going to send this guy out right away. They're in the middle of a screaming match about whether they should send him back to accomplish the mission he was born for. Mm. His dad wants to keep him and give him a normal life, but his mom is. She got religion about it, man. Oh, yeah, she does. She's like, this was a gift and we don't want to squander it and his sacrifice will be for the greater good. And, and you the know, dad has always gone along out. with it because the religion also makes her horny. Yes. <laughs> so he doesn't know what to do about it. He can't deny it. Because he's got to have that. And I couldn't tell if he had four or like 12 kids. But It's, it's farm times in the scoop up world, man. He's got to uh-huh. have a hundred kids. He's got a lot of kids. Yeah, he has to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you're right. Um, well, HM comes back right at that moment <laughs> and she sits him down and she pumps him full of some red liquid. And then she says, prepare the launch. Yeah, so they didn't even wait. They waited like maximum six hours. Yeah, they didn't wait for Voyager to like get out of scanning range or nothing. They're just nah, like, nah, nah, nothing like that. Just set him up right away. Voyager gets back and calls to start asking questions, and they're like, "Uh, he can't come to the phone right now." <laughs> but Voyager's got scanners and shit, so they find him real quick. Yeah, uh, he is on a transport vessel and it's heading towards the Borg transwarp corridor, and it's sending out a fake warp signature that makes it look like it's a good ship and not a piece of crap with one, uh essentially piece of bait inside of it yeah one unconscious kid yeah full of uh borg um, fucking uh, implants and shit yep 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 yep. they probably look at that and go mm, i don't know about this one this, this one's one i think like this one's trap. been like worked over a little bit is this one of the ones where we talk to each other out loud <laughs> i don't kind of i don't think we? sorry we don't think we should take this one um oh, voyager one gives borg with a gut just one <laughs> I want one to be there and like maybe scratch himself a little bit. And then this scene will be perfect. <laughs> yeah, they never do show that. No, it's um, all abs, man. There's just too much abs for sure. Uh Voyager gives chase despite the obvious risk of a Borg coming coming to take the bait, and sure enough, they are coming, and for some reason the fact that they're coming is the reason that Voyager can't beam the kid out. <laughs> right? Like yep. they got to get now they got to get real close because there's too much interference from the transwarp conduit or whatever the fuck. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. They have to get real close. They pull each about with like seconds to spare, but I guess also the countdown wasn't accurate about when the Borg were going to pop out of that fucking thing cuz they they get him in the transporter beam anyway. They get Voyager anyway. Yeah, they did appear to uh, uh pop out of fucking subspace or whatever a bit early. Like about 4 to 5 seconds early. Yeah. Um They're caught in a tractor beam. It's a Borg sphere. 7 decides to do a thing that really makes you think about Star Trek battles. She wants to beam a torpedo. Yeah inside of each ship so that when the Borg pull it in, it'll blow up the Borgs from the inside. That seems cool. Seems like a good idea. Yeah, it's uh, just like in the that episode where of Deep Space Nine where the Defiant had to blow up that shipyard, though. It's the timing. Are they yeah. going to be able to get away in time? Well, they do. They do. Yeah, they do, guys. Hey, guys. Yeah, they do. They figure it out. Back on Voyager, Schmollis, uh, and this doesn't matter in any way, but Schmollis tells all of us that 
the liquid Ichab was injected with was just a sedative. The pathogen actually just comes from within his body because that's in his DNA. Yeah, man, he came out of that woody or whatever. Voyager and Seven, they didn't see the red liquid get injected into the guy. They probably didn't think, what did they shoot shoot this kid up with? But, you know, we saw it, so Schmelz has to explain. That's right. Those are the rules. Now he's Seven's problem again. But Janeway just tells her to use her maternal instincts to deal with the huge psychological damage this is going to cause. Yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a big trauma this week. Yeah, again. he didn't he didn't want to go to his farm planet. He didn't didn't know those people. He didn't know anything about him, but we convinced him to go and yeah. then just when he was starting to think, yeah, I could have a life here. Oh, it turned out they did want to murder him. His parents did a big so, crime on him and uh yeah. Yeah. He ain't now he's trust back here. Nobody but, ever again. <laughs> but Seven, you've got. I know you must have maternal instincts because. You were six or whatever. I can see them through your suit. That's <laughs> so. right. <laughs> they come along with the the rest of it. You got the bazooms, uh, you, you got the motherly instincts. Yeah. Later in Astrometrics, uh, Ichab has turned his attention to his own genome. He's fascinated now by the horrible work of his parents, and he's reciting some pretty shitty rhetoric about it. Yeah. And uh, she tells him he can fight the Borg if he wants to, but destiny is fake, And uh, but she does cancel his bedtime because he's been through it now, so I guess he's an adult. The end. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you interpreting all the symbols? <laughs> Searching your subconscious for their meaning? Way ahead of you, Chaco, on this one. Didn't even have to think about it too hard. You can't choose your family, and sometimes family is hot trash. <laughs> I said accurate. <laughs> the take is a six. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I've seen your scores for the week. Yeah, well, this isn't the low, for sure. Well, we agreed on what the low was. So <laughs> the low was pretty obvious this week. Uh, I don't know. What about uh, you? What did you think this was saying? Yeah, no, this is the fourth or fifth family is what you make of it story. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole fucking episode, Dum Dum Janeway keeps saying, they're his parents. <clears throat> yeah. And Seven keeps saying, sometimes parents suck. Yeah, remember, I had parents, and they were uh, yeah. cuckoo, and they fucking flew me off in a ship, and we got eaten by Borgs or whatever. And then they we started just tailing the Borg. They knew we were there. <laughs> yep. They did that thing For they like do months. where they ignore you until they don't. And then yeah. uh, one day they didn't, and that was that. And that's why I left my dad on the Borg Queen's ship. He sucked. I saw him, and uh, I was like, thank fucking God you're a Borg. Eat it. And uh, Echeb goes to pains throughout the first half of the episode to talk about how his family is on Voyager, and how he's getting all his needs met on Voyager, and he's got, a, like, a doctor and a teacher and the yeah, Borg buddies, etc. Like, right? little, little brothers and sisters and all that stuff. I'm not mad at this idea. But they sure went with an unsubtle version of it, where his oh, parents sure. turn out to be villains, just absolutely cuckoo bananas. And it, oh, by the way, you were a weapon all along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I didn't think that they. This is. I know this is execution. I just think suddenly human did it better, and they didn't learn the lessons of suddenly human. And I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, execution. <sighs> <coughs> I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that Seven of Nine's objections 
obviously stem from her own emotional damage, but ultimately she's 100% right. Mm -hmm. It feels like a cheap device to keep us off balance. Yeah, I mean, of course both can be true, but it is convenient that both are true. It, It is very convenient in this case that when his family are nice and his mom makes his favorite food for him and shit, and then he goes down there and his dad's like, listen, there's intellectual work to do down here and everything. Then it just turns in the next time we see them, they're fucking mega monsters. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was cheap. Yeah. I mean, it's TV rules. If if everything's going great halfway through the episode, then, you know, it's going to turn out to be a a pretty bad time. And if the guys seem kind of suspicious, you'll actually find out that was your own fucking prejudice or whatever. And they're actually okay. So, yeah, when he's like, they seem like hella nice people or whatever, you're like, nah, sorry. TV tells me this isn't going to go that way. I'm watching TV uh, today. I mean, then you are when you turn on Voyager. That's right. what you're doing. <laughs> I guess everyone on this show thinks the twins are useless because they just have to stand there and be asleep pretty much the whole show. <laughs> Only Mazzotti gets any lines from the Why you know, did the they bother to the include buddies. them? We don't need them. They've clearly, I'm... as you said, decided they don't need them. Why did we have to get yes. a whole brood of kids? I, it would have been a fucking one-liner for Janeway to say, just like we returned, and I don't remember the names of <laughs> yeah, the twins, yeah. two weeks ago. Now it's time to say goodbye to Timmy Egypt, and right? Tommy, probably. Probably Timmy and Tommy. <laughs> I don't have a ton on this one. Um, everyone who wants to go home puts on rose-colored glasses, and everyone who doesn't trust their parents is sympathetic about this kid, but none of it matters because his parents are actual monsters. So yeah. most of the show doesn't matter. Uh, it was fine. There was a, just a, a too much petulant acting for my taste. I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, it's like by the way, this is not even that bad. Oh, for Voyager, this is uh, yeah, fucking this is top shelf right here. Um, I mean, two weeks ago, I gave all three episodes a three for execution. So <laughs> most of the episodes have not really crushed it lately. <clears throat> um. The writers set up a very specific situation that makes the stakes somewhat clearer in the beginning than a simple, I adopted a kid, but now his real parents want him back. Like, even Jeremiah Rosa was less clear than this. Uh, Though then they fucking shoehorned in that possible abuse angle that they raise and ignore. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, in this one, they show you the kid enjoying the cool science world of Voyager and his close bond with the other weird kids and with Seven... And then they go, or he can go to farm world and pull or, a fucking plow or whatever, and also be subsistence under, farming. Yeah, and also be under constant Borg attack forever. Probably be reassimilated next week. So like, it's clear what we're rooting for at home. But um, I instantly started wondering if they weren't his real parents, or they were, <laughs> but they wanted to use him as uh-huh. some kind of weapon against the Borg. Something sneaky, you know. Does does not help that the fucking synopsis for this episode, by the way. If you're watching it on Paramount Plus, is like uh, seven of nine can't go through with using a child as a anti-Borg weapon. Or like that. <laughs> is that what the, is that what they said the episode yes. was? Oh, they yes. missed the point. I think. Yes, they did. So as soon as the little girl says Egypt's dad lied, it's just on from there. You're like, okay, I got it. <laughs> um, my lack of affection for the characters, all of them, every character in the show, somewhat lessens my enjoyment of the episode, but. There's not much inherently wrong with it. It's 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 top shelf Voyager. I gave it a five. All right. You're a little ahead of me on this one, and I'm now quite certain which score of yours this is. 
What? Um, how did you score it on world building? They got science fairs on Voyager, like it's fucking, like it's fucking TNG, just like last week when they were sculpting. Yeah, but there are presumably as many as like eighty or ninety kids on the Enterprise. Fucking maybe we see a lot of them for sure. Uh, I mean, how many were there in when the bow breaks? And as we've said before, you we know, only saw the whites, everyone. so I don't know. It's hard to say <laughs> to extrapolate. Kataris uh, is where Naomi's dad is from. Ichib is Brunali. These dudes are fucking farmers or whatever. This is where I said that genetic resequencer is made of wood, or maybe it's just a woody. Um, not sure how, but you can make it look like you're going warp 9.8 when you're not even at warp at all. How would that work? I don't understand how that works. Real good question. Also, it must have been at warp because the conduit was a light year away. Yeah, but then when she says to go after the ship, she says to go at full impulse. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, so it's, it's like, oh, they're not even at warp? What's happening? I guess you said less than a light year away, and I guess less than a light year away could have been 200,000 miles, but yeah. yeah. I just, because, like, they would just see your signal, and even if you were emitting some kind of reading that said you were at warp huh. 9.8, that signal wouldn't be moving. It would be wild if that wiped the Borg out. If they were like, it's going warp 9.8, and also wait, it's not moving. it's not moving. So... I am confused. <laughs> Hey, we looked. Hey, once we saw it was going warp 9.8, the next thing we did was looked where where it would be in one second at warp 9.8. You know, make yeah. sure. And it wasn't there. So. <laughs> and then we looked again, and it was basically exactly where it was. So actually, we're not going to investigate it. We just don't care. <laughs> hey, these people have invented lying. Yeah. Do we want to assimilate lying? The first people we ever assimilated had that one. So we're good, yeah. actually. Uh, yet another weapon. We're pretty good. Species 2 had lying, so. (laughs) It's right. (laughs) Yet another weapon to wipe out the Borg. This one's a genetic weapon. I gave it a 2. Yeah, it's a 2 for me, too. Um, did I have anything to add to that? Voyager can detect Borg transwarp conduits, but I guess not use them. Uh, just the Uh, one time. Yeah, well, I know they need another vinculum or whatever the fuck. (laughs) No, many no. huge Sorry, jumps. they need a transwarp coil from a board ship. They didn't sure. take any from that real fucked up board ship, though. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe last they, week. Maybe they were broken. Yeah. Um. And now they have some wormhole tech, courtesy of Vichib, but no one seemed too excited about that. So why should I be? No, nah, it wasn't like uh, at the end of the episode. They're like, and we found a wormhole. Like the time they gave us that Borg tease. You know, right after the Pon Far episode that was so good, when suddenly there's just a Borg corpse, and that's the end of the episode. And you go, what? That's a weird scene. Oh, it's a weird scene. Man, I'm glad. That's how they're introducing the Borg. They're throwing him into this terrible Pon Far episode? Okay. I'm really glad I probably never have to watch that episode again. Yeah, man. Most of these. Even the ones that I used to like, I don't think I need to watch anymore. Uh, Characterization. Sure. Janeway is uh, ready to get rid of this kid, I guess. Or at least doesn't care what he wants because she has to put right what once went wrong like quantum leap yeah like she's just like belongs with his parents he uh he is okay brunali uh seven remains emotionally trashed and no one is helping her at all with it like it's gotten to the point where janeway just uses her psychological problems against her karate style and <laughs> all seven of nine can say to that is yeah i know thank you yes i know how I about have, helping i have big damage we are on the same page on that 
Yeah, I, that's true. Uh, I went to talk true. to the doctor <laughs> about it. He uh, recommended cutting the crotch out of my suit. <laughs> he said it would be more functional that way. Yeah, he said it would be aerodynamic. The yeah. fuck does that mean? Um, it's true that Janeway recognizes her psychological damage, but only to use it against her. It's actually yeah. super fucked up. <laughs> it's it's not great. Um, Dijib is a dumb kid. He doesn't know what he wants. I guess I have to start thinking about him now. Yeah. This is the third episode with him. It's Yeah, it's not great. I don't love it. Uh, no one else is in this one. Chakotay ain't in it. Yeah, Bellani I figured we'd get Tom a... Paris, Harry Kim, too. Vakta ain't in it. Normally, Chakotay gives advice to someone for no reason. And I expected that <laughs> not to this happen. Week. But not this week. <laughs> no, even though last week, uh, literally last episode, when Seven was having parenting problems with these uh-huh. kids, she did go and talk to Chakotay Noted about it. parent Chakotay. Super dad Chakotay. Yeah. Uh, but not this week. Um, No one else. Yeah. So no one. Neelix in it. You know, no one's in it. Naomi sure. Wildman is in it, but she didn't have any character work. She misses her dad or thinks about her dad, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, nothing. Nothing surprising or exceptional. I am giving it a three. Uh, let's see. Ichib has living parents, and even though they uh, only picked this kid up like three weeks ago, they already tracked those dudes down. So. Um, he's opening himself up to a, a galaxy of possibilities on Voyager. Really growing. Probably already masturbating to harp girls. But Oh, I uh, imagine. They don't have sleazy hollow programs on Brunali <laughs> Prime. Well, he doesn't have privacy, so. Yeah. So he's just going to have to His... find a farm girl or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. He has some weird guilt at the end about how he did. he wasn't such a good super weapon after all or something. Uh-huh. So that's not ideal. Uh, Again, no psychological help is available on this ship, so... No, because as we've seen before, the the fucking counselor is Schmullis. The guy who doesn't want to be a doctor. Like, who's desperate not to be a doctor. Who tried yeah. to leave the ship to be something else. Oh, for sure would rather not, yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's growth. Seven is bummed out about adopt, uh, adopting... These guys adopting her son, I guess. This is her son. Um, she's a B about it to his parents. And then uh, also to him. She's kind of a B to him about it, too. Like when he's like, I want to live with my parents. She like fucking stomps out of the room like a baby. Uh, but of course her persistence pays off, it, as you'd expect in the end. When she won't let it go that uh, that dad's a liar. Uh, Janeway gives Seven some advice for whatever that's worth and um she does wait longer than i would have to send seven away during that meeting with the parents yep but then she tells seven to shut the fuck up when she wants to investigate this lie and then you you pointed out that she really does use her traumas against her so i had this as a five but i am downgrading it also to a three okay because it is actually kind of one of the most fucked up things you can do Huh. Well, that now brings it in line with your previous score for your second place episode. So the whole yeah, it's week's close. in question now. But of course, I often deduct <laughs> points, so the other one may lose some points as well. Yeah. Um, well, uh, but I gave it a thirteen, and you gave it a sixteen, and that's a twenty-nine. And it's good there for are a lot of weeks lately, a twenty-nine would win, frankly. I mean, so Voyager's they got average a shot is only twenty-three. Uh-huh. So this is the good. Sh- this is the good shit we saw. 
Did you write down any quick hitters since you didn't have to describe this one? Um, let's take a look. Uh, Voyager, I swear to God, don't you do it. Don't make the Borg kids the stars of the show. I swear to fucking God, if you do this, there's no going back. We are fucking done professionally. That, I wrote that in the teaser, and it did turn out to be all about one of the Borg kids. Yeah, this one really was. Uh, does Ichib have a forever wound on his forehead as part of his Borg shits? He had something on his uh, jawline, too. I don't know if he's just got, that's just Brunari acne or whatever. I was going to yeah. say, or did he get, like, wanged on the head on that on set that week? Or is it a particularly zany pimple situation? It was probably when he went out to play Batball or whatever with his brother that night. You know, his brother who like wouldn't get closer to him. Got a got a. His brother insisted they long toss for some reason. (laughs) And he was like, "Well, I guess now I got to pick whether I ruin my shoulder or my elbow today." (laughs) Like when you and I long toss. That's right. What am I sacrificing this week? Uh, this dude's dad again was the blind space lawyer on Battlestar Battlestar Galactica. Really, just a few years later, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, and again, I had worst actor, the guy Echeb's age, I guess that's his brother, who's always shouting from across a field or whatever. Yikes. <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, I guess this is why there's no all-ages science fair in real life. Like, yeah. uh, Naomi Wildman is like three. How's she supposed <laughs> to compete with the wormhole dowsing rod? True. Her globe is pretty advanced. Like her real project should have been like which detergent gets out grass stains the best or something. Sure, yeah. I tested them all once. <laughs> it's science. Here's my poster board. Tide looks pretty good. I didn't actually come up with a conclusion, but now looking at my board here, Tide seemed to do pretty good. Um, this is just my annual reminder when they describe something as being, in this case, just under under a light year away, that an object a light year from the sun is still sort of technically in the solar system. So that transwarp conduit is, in fact, close. Yeah, it is very close. <clears throat> How old, Matt, do you think you would have been before this fake scan and report of butterflies in your stomach made you hate the doctor? <laughs> Oh my god, like seven? I don't know. I think I would have thought it was dumb at nine, and I would have wanted a new doctor at (laughs) eleven. Yeah. Yeah, at eleven, you're probably pretty sure you could get that. I think you're right. When you're younger, you probably think, I'm not going to be able to do anything about this problem. I have no no agency here. I just have to, this uh, adult is telling a joke because he thinks I'm dumber than I am. I mean, I got one move to get rid of him, and it could backfire, and that's, I say he touched me, and I'm just, (laughs) yeah. do I go there? You gotta be careful how you employ that, huh? Do I go there just because he's corny? I don't know. Ah, that's a thing that never even occurred to me. (laughs) Uh, I must have already known the dad would say, so what? (laughs) Probably. You must have been asking for it. That that lady went crazy. I'm still surprised by her reaction. Especially (laughs) because I wasn't even the one making noise. But even if I had been, that was a wild reaction. Yeah. Dad was not interested in that at all, huh? I mean, I again, like you, I knew that. I knew that would be the case. I was not even lobbying for any action. Somehow, Matthew, somehow the writers managed to get down on paper. Hmm. Do you think Naomi's mother is irrelevant to her? <laughs> Without, like, stroking out from laughter. <laughs> what was Schmollis's second example going to be if he'd come to another one? Have you ever heard of this guy, Worf? 
<laughs> exactly. No, you haven't? You didn't read about him or nothing? Oh, um... Do you think Naomi's mother is irrelevant to her? Well, we ain't seen her in two seasons, and she seems to live with Neelix now. I mean, is it true that the last time we saw her was that one where she almost beefed it in the shuttle? Yeah, I think that's the last time and we saw Samantha Wildman. Was. Days and days on end. Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah. Did she beef it in that shuttle? I, haven't I think Neelix... I think off-screen, Neelix won the fight not to tell Naomi that her mother died. <laughs> that she must have died back on Voyager. And then she just still Maybe, thinks uh, she's around somewhere. Maybe Voyager's engineering section has one of those lifts that isn't OSHA compliant, just like Enterprise does, and uh, she got her head cut off or something. Do you suppose they let Naomi see her, but only from a great distance every once in a while? It's just a dummy. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while. It's just oh, another, look, there's your mom. Just a, a woman in a blonde wig, whichever Waved one of you. the... Uh, <laughs> whichever one of those twins that Tom Paris and Harry Kim were always interested in. Yeah, the Delaney sisters. In a blonde wig. Yeah, whichever one of the Delaney sisters looks better in a blonde wig. Yeah, and then she just kind of throws, she's like, oh, oh. You dear, and she never turns around or something. Be, be behave with Neelix. What be Neelix good for says. Neelix. He's taking care of you again tonight. Um, there's a scene where Mazzotti is riding on an electric scooter that is every bit as shitty as Alexander's RC car from uh, <laughs> Rascals. They just took a regular scooter and made it a hundred times shittier and said the future. Yeah, I assume it was just being pulled on a string while they played a sound behind it. But uh, the impression that it gives to me is that in the future, they don't let kids do anything past walking speed. Probably for, like, CTE reasons. Oh, yeah. Probably turns out basically everything gives you CTE. So it's like, yeah, you can have a little electric scooter. It goes four miles an hour. Enjoy. I mean, it's definitely my contention that all childhoods give you CTE. Yeah, probably. No matter how, probably no matter how safe you try it. to play it. Yeah. And then uh, just to reiterate, I wrote again, well, this is going to mess him up pretty good, Seven, but you've got a uterus, I think, so you should be able to handle it. <laughs> Mine? No. Pure coffee down there. <laughs> it just becomes it after a while. Uh, I actually haven't asked, Doctor, does she still have a uterus? Did the Borg do something? Is it like a robot uterus? uterus? Is it? Does it's it? A, oh, she's got a vinculum in there. Huh. <laughs> well, that really makes you think. I think we can jump ten thousand light years. I'm just gonna use that vinculum. <laughs> I give best actor to Echeb's dad from Battlestar Galactica. Mm. For worst actor, I mean, I do agree. The guy who's always shouting is a good <laughs> candidate. I'm getting really sick of Schmollis's quiet, <laughs> somber voice when he has to explain a horror. Mm. When he has to be like, they actually only gave him a sedative. He was designed from birth to produce the pathogen. Yeah. Like, okay, oh, man. You even been in this we episode? Get it. You're horrified. Yeah. Yeah. Your performance doesn't matter in this scene. You can just say the line and go away now. <laughs> yep. Uh, he heard us giving praise to uh, Gates McFadden for constantly doing acting work that didn't matter. <laughs> well, at least somebody over there at Voyager is listening in real time to this. That's yeah. all I've been asking for the entire time. Well, this is like when you said that Strange New Worlds would score well on the rubric, and I was going to say, well, we we are always on Voyager's case for not learning from the rubric. So. Yeah, it pisses me off. 29 points. Will uh, will the other two shows reach that? Or mm. will Voyager get its sixth win with Child's Play? I have a feeling it'll be close with one and not close with the other. <laughs> well... My guess. Let's jump right into one of those two options. Second place last week was Deep Space Nine. 
This week we're discussing Honor Among Thieves. A sloppy as hell O'Brien sits in a bar on an alien world, obviously eavesdropping on some kind of uh, dang old criminal conversation at a table behind him. He electrocutes a guy, just fucking cold zaps him so that he can step in and save him and show his worth to these dirtbags. Like the guy's cool eyepiece that he uses to uh, hack the net or whatever is busted and uh, O'Brien agrees to fix it. It sounds like O'Brien's been in the bar for a while, weeks, I guess, to build a believable backstory. He didn't just show up and start interacting with these guys. Anyway, uh, O'Brien goes to meet with his uh, his handler, and we get the whole backstory about O'Brien trying to infiltrate the Orion Syndicate. And uh, his goal is to get the name of the Syndicate's Starfleet informant. And the stakes are his very life, maybe. Credits. <laughs> do they ever say in this episode why they picked O'Brien? They do not, but please get out of my fucking notes. Okay. I'm going to have to yell about it for probably 20 minutes later. So. <coughs> all right. While O'Brien is gone, all the fucking repair requests are piling up. Don't worry, there's not a lot of A-plot bleep, bleep in this. <laughs> this is, there's only two seats on Deep Space Nine, so don't worry about it. All the fucking repair requests are piling up, and I guess only one guy's keeping this shit running, and he's gone. So, uh, I don't know, Cisco figures out Bashir doesn't really care about that, he's just trying to figure out where O'Brien is. Doesn't matter. Don't none of this matters, Little League. Back in the alien bar, O'Brien delivers the repaired eyepiece, uh, and the main guy, Bilby, takes him for a walk around the big map painting in space. And they go back to Bilby's place, and he's got a cat named Chester. Anyway, the guy starts to ask O'Brien about other things he can fix. And he works for a bigwig named Ramus. And uh, he shows O'Brien a picture of his family, and they eat some cake his wife sent. Family's the most important thing, you know. He does and, say that. Um, he says it a lot, kind of like they should have just uh, digitally inserted Vin Diesel. <laughs> well, now stay out of my notes, you fuck. Uh, <laughs> he explains some more about the org chart of the syndicate and how it works. And O'Brien impresses him, I guess, by telling him the truth about his wife's awful, shitty fucking cake. So he's in. This guy loves him. Uh, O'Brien talks to his handler again, and he can't even send a message along to Keiko. It's like Infernal Affairs or something out here. But uh, back in the bar, O'Brien tells Bilby and Co. that he he stole the parts for the these Klingon disruptors that they wanted him to repair. And Bilby fucking loves it because he's like, because O'Brien's taking the hit for him if anything goes wrong. Anyway, he takes O'Brien to get cleaned up and get a new suit. And then they confront the guy who sold him the bad disruptors in the first place. And Bilby fucking kills the guy with one. Yeah. That's when O'Brien really starts to fall in love with him for some reason. (laughs) I was going to say, this might make O'Brien sad. It's hard to tell. If it does, probably because he's haunted by the 50 unbelievable tragedies we've seen him go through on DS9. I don't know if he's capable of being sad anymore. (laughs) Then he and Bilby. It would be great if they they turned to O'Brien and he just said out loud, Wow, I felt nothing. That's the, honestly, I, that's the only reason I could think of that they picked O'Brien. 
is because he must be dead inside by now. They looked at his service record and went, shit, O'Brien from six hours in the future? It says here that this 40-year-old man spent 80 years in prison, so. <laughs> oh, the Cardassians got him too, huh? Oh, they did the whole naked, take his teeth and everything? Oh, shit. All right, well, his wife was a demon or something? Oh, God. Um, he and Bilby. And the station commander who saw her jump from a bridge still pulled him in to ask what he, why he did it. <laughs> thought it was possible he did it. <sighs> then he and Bilby have a drink, and they get even closer. Bilby tells him how Ramus uh, got his Starfleet contact. It was the guy in charge of the weather control net on Risa or something. I think Worf knows that guy. I think Worf does know that guy. But then how does he have all this uh, fucking Starfleet intelligence info with a WeatherNet guy on Risa? Anyway. Well, that's what he was doing a year ago, but I guess, uh, I guess maybe, Worf, maybe Worf put in a word for him or something <laughs> and he moved up. Because he was all right. Uh, anyway, they go to see Ramus together. Ramus brings a Vorta along with him, so now there's a, a war connection. And after initially questioning O'Brien, Ramus seems satisfied that Bilby trusts him. Bilby fucking vouches for him or whatever. Uh, the Vorta tells Bilby, uh, thanks for the disruptors, and we're going to need more from you soon. Hang on to those disruptors, though. Uh, O'Brien meets his handler again and tells him about the informer on Risa, and then he fucking, he knows what's coming, but he sucks it up. And he goes, also, there's a Vorta. Because, like, he probably could have gone home if he hadn't said anything about that Vorta. Yep. So anyway, now he's got to stay longer. That's actually, you know what? He didn't want to go back to Keiko. He was happy to tell him about the Vorta, I've decided. Um, so he's got to go back and figure out the Vorta connection and all that shit. Uh, the gang does a heist and they hack the Bank of Bolius. That's for nothing. Yeah, we just heard about that bank in the episode. Yeah. Morn's not really dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then O'Brien refuses the prostitute Bilby gets for him. And uh, Bilby brags a ton about how good he is at reading people, especially O'Brien. So uh-huh. I guess we're supposed to start feeling bad for the criminal Bilby at home, I think. I don't know. Time for another check-in with O'Brien's handler. O'Brien gets sad about Bilby probably ending up dead or in jail. And the guy's like, uh, I mean, that's the fucking point. So well, I don't understand. Back at the bar, Ramus and the Vorta are back, and uh, they're here to ice a traitor, first of all. And, of course, we're supposed to think they know about O'Brien. But it turns out to be one of the other goons, the one with the weird wispy Fu Manchu or whatever he was wearing. Yeah. Um, The one who's, um, he's not fully coded as Asian, but he's doing some kind of accent and he does have a Fu Manchu. He's doing something crazy. (laughs) Then they tell Bilby they want him to assassinate the Klingon ambassador using the disruptors from earlier. You know, trying to stir up some Klingon Civil War shit so that the Federation's on its own in this war. Um, yeah, the Vorta likes uh, hearing himself talk, and also I'm guessing uh, Ramus ain't that smart, so when O'Brien shows even a hint of understanding about what's going on, he does explain the whole plot for us. Yes. <laughs> Uh, O'Brien tells his handler about the assassination, which is going to go down tonight. O'Brien is outraged when the guy says he's going to alert the Klingons so they can, like, stop Bilby and his buddies. Because, you know, O'Brien doesn't want Bilby to die. So he fucking knocks out his handler so he can go warn Bilby not to do the assassination. 
And of course, Bilby loses it because you know he's dead either way now. Either the Klingons he's kill him, too or deep. or Ramus yeah. kills him, or the Vorta, or somebody. And Bilby is crushing on O'Brien so hard that he doesn't even kill him. Just leaves him his cat and goes off to die. And he repeats for the tenth time in this one episode that family is the most important thing. And then O'Brien's back at DS9 chatting with Bashir about how bad he feels about betraying Bilby. He's still wearing the suit. I hope it's been weeks and O'Brien's just telling people, this is how I dress now. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> call me Connolly. My name's Connolly. Don't you dare I'm call Connolly me O'Brien. Now. Uh, Chester the cat lives with O'Brien now. Will we ever see him again? Who knows, man. This is the end of the episode. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> what was this fucking dark fucking story about? Look, man, Bilby says family is the most important thing, like, diggity times. I mean, he definitely wants you at home to remember that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's it. But it's not really present <coughs> in the actual work. Yeah. Like, O'Brien doesn't... I think... Alright, so, what happened is, the actor that they cast to play Bilby died like two days before they started shooting <laughs> it's fucking cursed yeah and they brought this guy in he was the second choice from the casting okay but the first actor apparently looked a lot like o'brien and mm. there was gonna it was supposed yeah, man to that's be why they called him like bilby it's supposed to be like a, a father-son relationship uh. so maybe o'brien was supposed to see this guy as like surrogate family and when this guy kept saying family is the most important thing etc but it's like it's there's barely any of that in here. No, it's just the guy saying it over and over again. There was almost no other connection. This is just this is just a nineties crime movie about an undercover cop who gets too close to a guy who's not a, a moron. good guy. But <laughs> he's, he's not like, a good guy. He's not a total monster. But he's too dumb to be a real villain. <laughs> he's got he works with some kind of code, right? It's like yeah. a million stories about this. Sure. Anyway, they don't even put Bilby in the regret phase of his crime career here. No. He's still pretty excited about climbing the fucking ladder in this multi-level marketing scheme that oh, is yeah, the Orion man. Syndicate. All about how like he's he's always been unlucky, but now is his big break. He's gonna finally gonna uh, get ahead or whatever. Yeah, and he sees himself. In, he sees you know the same thing in O'Brien. He looked through over his fake record, and he's like, "Boy, you're you're pretty unlucky, huh?" By the way, it should have just been real O'Brien with real O'Brien's record. People would understand why he would betray Starfleet. They'd go, (laughs) yeah, man, I fucking get it. He should have said, yeah, well, I I was in a mine jail for 70 or 80 years. (laughs) I killed my best friend. They told me to feel free and take three days off, so I left Starfleet. (laughs) Um, I don't know, it's a three. The take is a three. Yeah. Okay. I don't know the family. It doesn't have anything to say about family. Yeah, I didn't. That's why I didn't pick it as my as my take. Despite uh, the maybe guy. you've got a better take for it. We should have started. Uh, all I just said once again in DS Nine, great enterprises, grand strategies, political maneuvering. It's all really personal. Oh this yeah, guy, that is Deep Space Nine. This guy Bilby just wants to get ahead. Stop being a fucking down on his luck nobody. 
O'Brien should be all in on Starfleet and shutting down the syndicate, but it becomes personal for him too, so he makes some bad choices, etc., etc. I just gave it. I just gave it a five. It's it's what DS Nine talks about all the time. It is kind of the underlying message, especially of early Deep Space Nine. They seem to be going. You remember all? It's like you know, look at the news. You guys remember the news from this week? And you went, "How the fuck did that happen?" And it's just because it's we're all just people, man. We're all just people with, with strange cares. Uh, execution. Uh, the space war not dark enough, I guess. Now we have to have undercover organized crime episode. Though yeah. they do end up connecting the war, which is actually, I think that's actually smart. If you're just going to let the space war simmer, I mean, like, you might as well remind people about it every now and then. Um, yeah, it's it's maybe a little hard to believe <coughs> that this play is worth carrying out for the Vorta, but I guess they probably got a lot of time on their hands now that the wormhole's closed. <laughs> yep. Look, man, it's probably not going to work, but if it works the way the guy says and the Klingons really do remove themselves from the war, that's probably a pretty big deal. That'd be a big win, for yeah. sure. <clears throat> it just seems like a real low percentage. And if all it costs them is uh, these schlubs, then, uh, you know, what do they care? Um, I, I don't know. It could have been worse, I guess. Like, the, here's what I mean. There could have been some real noir-style flashback storytelling. God, that would have been so yep. hack. O'Brien could have single-handedly crippled the syndicate in one episode. That would have been pretty hack. So, like, they avoided some pretty easy pitfalls that, I don't know, Voyager or Enterprise might have fallen into. But they tried really hard to give Bilby something meaty, and it did not work. Like, hey, guys, we only got 40 minutes. You're not going to succeed in making me give a crap about this guy. No matter how much he talks about family. And then I said, I wonder if I'd like the Fast and the Furious movies. Because those are longer than 40 minutes. And there's a million They are longer. Them. And they have the same characters movie to movie. So. Yeah, there's like 15 There's like, you only have to deal with like one new guy every movie. <laughs> right. So maybe I'd be into that. But I'm definitely not into this. Uh, Little League in a big way on DS9. Just... As obvious as you can make it. You got fucking Quark and Odo, as always. You got fucking Worf and Dax. You got Kira. You got fucking Bashir and Cisco. Anyone who could be considered, like, a main character. You know, like, Garrick doesn't show up, but he often doesn't. No, no Rom, no Nog, no Lita. Yeah, the typical Little Leaguers are all just fucking there in that one scene. Uh, I gave it a five. And if I'm rereading my own notes, because they didn't make it worse, that okay. seems to be that seems to be why they got points. So, the question no one wants to address in this episode is, why O'Brien? How did O'Brien get picked for this assignment? Yeah, I know they needed someone outside of Starfleet intelligence because of the mole, but how did O'Brien even get on anyone's list? Yeah. And they just make no attempt to explain it. No, I mean, they literally don't ever talk about it. And then, why does O'Brien like Bilby? Is it because he says nice stuff about O'Brien and no one else, even his best friend Julian, ever does that? I just thought it was because he was such a pathetic sad sack that O'Brien felt bad for him. But the guy starts saying stuff like, I'm so good at reading people. 
Like, yeah. you, man, I saw right through you. And even yeah, Schlub O'Brien. Guilt, has, right, or something. <laughs> yeah, even Schlub O'Brien has to go, Ah, oh, that's really sweet. This guy thinks he, he knows stuff. All we see is Bilby kills a guy. Yeah. And then when Bilby's mustache guy gets dropped for doing a side job, he doesn't seem to care at all. Yeah. Is, does O'Brien like him because he tried to buy O'Brien a woman? Or is it because he did buy O'Brien a suit? Is sure. it because he has a cat and a faraway family? Yes. These are all the characteristics of Bilby, so it's fair to wonder. And why are we, the audience, supposed to care when Bilby goes off to die? I didn't. I, I didn't. Um, we never check back in on the Deep Space Nine can't function without the chief plot, and that's just as well, because that nothing. Yeah, no, no, they made it very clear it was Little League. They they, they were like, and someone, I think you can hear in the background say, scene, at the end of that. And you're like, okay, we're done with them. Another thing we never check in on is what drove Bilby to this life. There is no money in the Federation. Hmm. He did not need to do this. <laughs> he has a family. Sure, he probably has no clean way out now. But what was he looking for when he started out here? That would have helped a lot, I think. Yeah. yeah. How did he get tied up in the fucking Orion Syndicate? How does a human being with a family end up in this fucking business? Yes, okay. His wife's on question. New Sydney. Is that not a Federation world? Does he? He doesn't need to send money back to her, right? No, he doesn't. He her kids got free daycare, it. and she can work in the Arboretum or whatever the fuck. Like he mentions the money just to explain how the Syndicate works, but I don't get the feeling he really cares about the money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. He's we like, uh, and then, you know, they pay me, and I, I gotta pay the guys above me. Uh, you get it. But, I mean, they do it's that score on time. that bank, and they're excited, but I think they're just excited because they, like, they busted that bank up. So <laughs> I just had a hard time caring about anything that happened this week, and I gave it a two. So we're okay. a little bit apart on this episode. What about world building? Uh, the Orion Syndicate works like a pyramid scheme. The Vorda are working with them. Future hacking is super dumb. Um, political moves within the Klingon Empire. There's enough stuff happening in this that I gave it the, quote, standard three. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what it is. The, the, the return of the Bank of Bolius, that's nothing. They thought of one for the Ferengi for the Morn episode, and they were just like, well, let's not invent a Now we know bank. a bank. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I also gave it a three. Again, the eyepiece the dude uses to hack the fucking mainframe or whatever. Sometimes, yeah, but it's like, sometimes we, already get... saw, we already saw that on Hannah Bates in the episode. Hannah Bates is in love with Odo, but whoops, she's married. Oh, God, I forgot that that episode existed. That was such a bad one. Um, Sometimes you get spiked. <laughs> all the stuff about the Orion Syndicate the Klingon infighting about the Federation Alliance continues Risa weather grid continuity connecting the Dominion War here let it rise to the average three for me but you know there's just not enough there to to add a ton uh, characterization Bashir goes to see Cisco because he's worried about his buddy, I guess. That's not... I mean, that... Again, we didn't. We do not revisit that. That's nothing. O'Brien goes all in on the syndicate, huh? Just decks his handler and goes to save Bilby. I guess that's just how much he hates his wife in DS9. 
he's, spent a week with this piece of shit, and he's like, I'm all in. This is my life if now. If he had seemed more tempted by the prostitute, if he'd been flashing that little wad of cash a little more often, <laughs> if he'd bought a second suit, then I, you'd start to be like, oh, actually, he might rather do this. Yeah, I think he likes this better. Again, depending on how long he's been wearing that suit in that last scene, it's, <laughs> it's possible he's a changed man. Uh, Little League for everyone. Uh, I only gave it a three. Yeah, it's really hard to give a lot of characterization points on this one because only O'Brien's in it. Uh, he remains the everyman who gets dragged into bigger affairs and suffers for it. Is that fun for anyone? I mean, not for me. And uh, he wouldn't kiss a lady that's not Kimiko. I mean, Keiko. <laughs> Nuh-uh. <laughs> that's right, he does at one point say that he has a girlfriend now and her name is, and he thinks super fast, this guy's smart as shit, and he goes, Kimiko. <laughs> Uh, he just gets unreasonably horny about the idea of kissing ladies in the holodeck, like in that episode about James Bond. Uh, no one else is in this one. How do we feel about O'Brien? Again, I fundamentally don't get his affection for Bilby, and that's most of what happens here. I gave it a three. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, we'll jump into quick hitters in a minute, but it came up two points shy of that Voyager. So oh, Voyager, Voyager's looking good, man. Voyager's only got one more to beat. Um... Somebody had to approve this opening CGI shot of the city. You know, with it's animated bad, elements in front of a matte painting. It's bad. Uh, yeah, they said that's ready to air. <laughs> that's what I meant, man. That's everything about that looked bad. Do you think, Matt, that O'Brien requested an Irish cover identity, or did someone look at him for half a second and say, "Yeah, you're Connolly now"? Before that's they right. even heard him speak, probably. Yeah, you look, yeah, you're Irish for sure. You're some kind of column. Nah, Connolly. Connolly, <laughs> I think. That's going to do great for you. Plus, the guy you're meeting is named Bilby. I think this is going to work great. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien's handler is the guy from Orange is the New Black. Okay. His name is Chadwick in this. I had to look it up afterwards. Uh, he was I definitely a guy I knew I had. Only throws the punch. Yeah, I knew I had seen that guy and stuff and did not bother to find out where. He did other stuff. He mostly plays cops, and he's playing a cop in this one, so it yeah. makes sense. I have always liked the this model of Klingon disruptor rifle, <laughs> which is basically, it's just like a carbine. It's just the normal pistol with a stock that's got maybe some extra batteries in it or something. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that little design. It it's definitely like you, uh, cheap and plastic. What, wasn't one of the TOS pistols like you could pull the phaser part out and use it as a hand phaser or put it in the grip? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it was phaser one or phaser two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is phaser one. We'll have phaser two. Um, <laughs> These dudes, these gangsters, operate out of a real weird bar where they can <coughs> openly hold Klingon disruptors and say, contact Ramus. Mm -hmm. But also, it's fully credible that down on his luck, Connolly just wandered into this bar two weeks ago and started drinking, and they didn't yeah. hustle him out of there. No. It's not a private club or anything. Like no. when So schlubby, when he, they just went, just leave him. When he makes contact, the guy's like, you've been here a couple of weeks now tinkering with this and that, but then later it seems like this bar is their hideout. So what's going on? They yeah. just let walk-ins? This just I got mean, walk-ins? No shit that Forte is worried about their security arrangements. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a it's a bad situation. Um, O'Brien invented a pretend girlfriend when he could very easily have just said, "I'm not having sex with this woman on your bed, Bilby." Yeah, that's weird. Why would you think that was okay? Were you going to ask if you could watch? <laughs> this is trying in to get Bilby's in, apartment. That's all. He's trying to get in good with Bilby. That's why. Yeah. He can't yeah. deny him the sex watching, but he but he can get out of the sex with a great excuse like Kimiko. It seemed to me that O'Brien never told Chadwick about the bank robbery that they did. No, no, no. That's that's when that's he shows up. He's like, "Oh, we were at the dog track or whatever." Did he keep his take? Has yeah, he got man. a little money squirreled away now? He's got dirty money somewhere. He's probably gonna have Quark yeah. find a find a way to launder it for him or something. Yeah, it could be. Um, maybe it's because I've seen Orange Is the New Black, but Chadwick stinks of cop, and I can't believe he can just hang out in the alleys on this crime planet and no one yells narc at him. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, he's got big cop energy for sure. Yeah. And like you, I wrote, uh, I wonder if we'll ever see this cat again. Also, we never see O'Brien's apartment in this. No. Oh, the O'Brien's like, uh, the Bilby's like, uh, you you got that apartment on whatever street? And then uh, let's go for a walk right to Bil- right to Bilby's apartment. The only yeah. place we ever see. Yeah. yeah, they weren't making two fucking sets for this thing. They already made the bar. They're done. Uh, for best actor, um, Kroll, that's the purple guy. I had him. I enjoyed when he told Bilby he also looked fine. That's true. That wasn't that bad. The the Taylor bit. And uh, for worst actor, I've got Chadwick here. Yeah. Okay. Got very wet eyes, and I don't understand. <laughs> well, that's a real that Shatner indicates. situation. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, wet, yeah. glistening eyes. Um, did you have any quick hitters? Just, uh, you know, we remembered last week which one this was going to be, but I had forgotten again, and then I, I said I just remembered again which episode this is, and went, oh man, to nobody in particular. <laughs> Always it's a, a real good bummer. Sign. This is another example of Deep Space Nine doesn't want to do Deep Space Nine. Nope. They're sick of making Star Trek, and they don't want to make Star Trek. They did the fucking yep. science fiction show. Yep. They said, what if this week? This is uh, then they did Fantastic op. Voyage, and now they're doing this one. <laughs> Meanwhile, the war doing... feels very far away. <laughs> Everyone says this is Donnie Brasco. I didn't see Donnie Brasco, so don't I, worry yeah, about I it. I didn't see it either. Like I said, it's Infernal Affairs or whatever. So, But, you know, not good. No. Well, I don't see LC Dubs. Yeah. Was he in that? Uh, probably. Wasn't he in all the cop movies? I mean, I, I just, want him in all hey of man, the cop movies. It's been so long. I needed to. Ha- I need to do an Infernal Affairs watch party or something. I mean, I would watch it again. Let's take a look. Maybe here. we'll watch it when you're out here at Christmas. We'll watch it. Nah, now. it's the Andy Lau and Tony Lung. God damn. Oh, Tony Lung. Yeah, that makes more sense. Oh man. And Anthony Wong <laughs> is the police chief. Ah, oh, shit, son. Fuck. What? Hey, there's a reason that movie got remade. Shit. God damn. Fuck. Oh, what a movie. 1996, man. Shit. Yeah. I love it. You do love it almost as much as uh, UJ Suck loves it and the theme song from it and everything <laughs> about it. Was that that movie or was it a different one? I thought it was a different one. I mean, one. it has a bunch of them, but I'm I'm sure that was one of them. Oh, it's actually 2002. 2002 was Infernal Affairs. Um, oh, okay. 
All right. Well, that's my that's my only quick hitter. I'm done. All right. Well, Voyager posted 29. DS9 posted 27. We, I mean, we could potentially have a decent week depending on how um, the next generation did. They won last week, so next we're going to talk about shipping a bottle. Have fun it describing this one. There's so much, there's so much shit that I would hate to describe in this. <laughs> well, it gets off to a bad start because Data's playing Sherlock Holmes again. Uh-huh. He's roped Jordy into going back into the holodeck after four years to play Sherlock Holmes again. Because everything turned out so good last time. Yeah. That he, surely this time's going to be great. Uh, and it gets off to a bad start in there, too. He fails to solve the mystery that they're working on because... Uh, the holodeck character who was supposed to be the criminal catches a box of matches in the wrong hand. Yeah. And then it's just somehow that's the kind of thing that could be a glitch. Yeah. It's not a real glitch like in Starfield where it's like, oh, the, the face didn't matches. render and you're looking at the inside of the back of the guy's head. The box oh, of matches what? floats in front of the guy's face just for no reason. No one's touching it or nothing. Uh, you didn't want to throw the box of matches at him, but then he got into a fight with a big alien <laughs> scorpion right in the middle of it. Now the whole thing's fucked. Ah, the whole, the whole thing's, thing's fucked. screwed. Computer, last save. Ah, oh, it's eight hours ago. What the <laughs> hell? How does autosave even work? Um, yeah, no, Jordan- don't don't lie. It's not because of the glitch in the holodeck. The they had a bad time because Data is not observant, like you know Sherlock Holmes is supposed to be. <laughs> he doesn't even notice the guy didn't catch it in the right hand. He didn't notice that when he threw the matchbox to specifically point out that the guy the guy was left-handed or right-handed, that the guy caught it in the wrong hand. Yep. He just turns to continue with his speech. Yeah, Jordy has to point it out to him later. Um, well, Jordy calls his holodeck guy, Barkley, to fix it. Yeah. And when he comes to check it out, he discovers Moriarty running in protected memory. A thing... That he never noticed until they were doing Sherlock Holmes again somehow. Despite yeah. the fact that he's in the holodeck all the time, he programmed the whorehouse for Alexander. <laughs> yes, he did. He made sure. He didn't notice, didn't look at active or protected memory at any point in that, but this time he does. Yeah. And he uh, when he runs that, uh, Moriarty pops up. And he's a little upset when he realizes no one has even thought about him even one time since their last encounter. <laughs> He's only upset because Picard promised him he'd definitely look into uh-huh. the situation. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, he's also uh, upset because he... apparently he can sense the passage of time in there. That's annoying, yeah. too. Yeah. Apparently there's a little bit of a nightmare in there where he'd have fleeting, terrifying moments of consciousness. Sounds bad. Um, it doesn't sound great. He gives Barkley a little exposition for people who missed his first episode because mm-hmm. this was in syndication and also it's been four years. Yep. Um, and he asks to speak to Picard. Barkley tries to store him in memory again until he gets an answer, but Moriarty pops back into the holodeck as soon as he leaves. Yeah, That's not powers. necessary. No, yeah, it's, it's not. not necessary for us to see this, by the way. No, it's just they can have a spooky thing happen before the credits or whatever. <sighs> well, this is not happening at a convenient time. This is not happening one of the times when the Enterprise has showed up somewhere and has to wait three days for an Excelsior-class starship to rendezvous with them. And you mean like the last time the holodeck broke? Or whatever. Right. Yeah, where at least they were all on vacation. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
No, this time Enterprise is in the Destrian system to watch two gas giants collide, and in about 17 hours, they're going to form a new star. So at that point, Enterprise is going to have to leave, because yeah. it's going to get real hot, probably. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, they ain't got those metaphasic shields yet either, so. Yes. Not yet. No, so they, they, they're fucked. They got to get out of town. Well, that's the background for what's happening, but no one's too worried about that. Barkley comes in and tells Jordy and Data what happened to him in the holodeck. And he clearly does not think it's a big deal, by the way, because he waits till the end of the engineering briefing and then comes over and goes, "You guys fucking know what happened in the holodeck? Some fucking weird shit." (laughs) Yo, to speak to Picard, this dude showed up. This dude, he said he knew you, and he was like, "I want to talk to Captain Picard." Fucking weird, right? Anyway, you guys want to get a sandwich or something? Like he and is not Moriarty. From context, <laughs> I figured out that that was a Sherlock Holmes character, but I never read those. That's right. Uh yeah. So anyway, hoagies. <laughs> um. Uh, everyone else takes it a lot more seriously because the next thing we see, Data and Barkley are back at the door to the holodeck, and Picard is there, and he's got his action jacket on, and oh, they yeah. rerun the program. It's fu- it's like Captain Dathan is there. That's how ready he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, he's got to do some diplomacy. They summon Moriarty so Picard could tell him, yeah, we still don't know how you became self-aware. We don't know how to get you out of the holodeck. Um, I promised that we thought about it, and then we sent it to the smart people at Starfleet Engineering, and they, um, they don't got listen, nothing. everybody says the same thing. You can't come off the holodeck. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Picard throws a book through the door just to demonstrate that it'll vanish. Um, but then Moriarty really one one ups him because mm-hmm. he says, That's a fucking book, and I'm alive, and life gives me a strange power, and he yep. walks right through the door and stands in the hall. Then he sings fucking electric light orchestra's strange magic at him, which was <laughs> a flex for sure, that he bothered to look that up in the system. Yeah, that's not from his time. No, no, a little anachronistic. I don't think that's in any of the novels. No, no, not at all. Uh, there's there's basically no mention of uh, ELO in... Which is too bad. That's one of the things words. I think could really turn those books around for me, personally. Uh, I was going to say the name of a person from Electric Light Orchestra, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Is Jeff Lynn anything? Uh, hmm. Wow, well, he's OBE. Fucking new. (laughs) Holy shit, yeah, that's the Electric Light Orchestra guy. All right, right. good job. So somewhere (laughs) in my brain, although I... You named one more ELO song than I'm able to name. (laughs) You you didn't want to name Evil Woman. I forgot that was them. Okay. Um, Everybody stands there with their mouths wide open watching him and then it's right back into commercials um yeah data calls for security no one else what i think was going to do anything but data calls for security and then everybody walks moriarty down to sick bay so that dr crusher can scan him because i guess that's what you do when a holodeck comes out of the hologram it's unbelievable let's take him to the medical doctor oh hey guys what please look around and figure out whether you were still in the holodeck i cannot believe this Unbelievable. She says, 
his DNA is a little funky, but he appears to be human. And nobody says, what do you mean DNA? <laughs> what DNA? How do we get mean, DNA? DNA? How, How do we get, get DNA? DNA? No one says anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where um, did he find that? Where did he get that? Where was it? Where did hey, he find whose this? Whose DNA like, is it? Was it like behind a painting in there or something? Like, where did he find Mo- it? Because Moriarty's not a real person. So whose <laughs> DNA is it? This is. I'm not saying that he is not the real person Moriarty. I'm saying there was no real person. So where did they oh. get? Oh, I have so much about this. I can't even believe it. Picard takes him on the standard tour. Uh, right to 10 forward. Right past that guy that I said was the doppelganger for Jellico during the, oh, yeah, the transfer of guy. command ceremony. The guy who was there just to fuck you up. Yeah, exactly. Just to make me go, what? Huh? That's one of those scenes uh, with two Rikers. <laughs> to show him that he's in space. Okay. Picard then also threatens him not to do any crimes. And I, I didn't think that was a great look. <laughs> like, I know about your type. I know about your type shit, British you guys who come walked, off the holodeck. You somehow walked off the holodeck, and then it turns out you got DNA. Now listen. Crime is still illegal here. I gotta let you know. I know you're probably aching to do a crime. In the post-atomic horror, you would have done fine. But here, crime's still illegal. No crime. Um, Moriarty's got other things on his mind, though. Specifically, he would like Picard to make him a 19th century girlfriend. Hell or rather, yeah. who wouldn't? To bring the Countess Regina Bartholomew yes, out yes, of the yes, holodeck. Yes, 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 yes. I would also ask for that name. I would know instinctively that that was the right name to ask for. And I would say, I want her to be old, but like, you know, she takes care of herself. That's what I would say. Picard don't know how to do that. <laughs> he cannot, he cannot say this enough to Moriarty. He don't know how to do that. He don't yeah. know how Moriarty walked out of the holodeck. Uh, <laughs> He doesn't say this, but I'm sure he also doesn't know why Moriarty doesn't just walk her out of the holodeck. Yeah. He don't know how to do it. But he does summon together an impromptu ethics committee (laughs) in a conference room consisting of Troy, Crusher, Data, and Barkley. Yeah, that's who you want. No Riker, no Worf. He didn't want to hear what Worf would have to say. Not Geordi. No Geordi. Just these guys. Yeah, these are the guys. Then, then he goes to tell Moriarty again. They don't know what to do, and he's inclined not to do anything. Then he asks Moriarty if he's in such a hurry because he and his holodeck girlfriend are planning a cool crime they want to commit. He is really worried about crimes. (laughs) He's so fast. He's so focused on it. But he's so focused on the crimes, he doesn't see the crimes happening <laughs> he, in front of he him. He misses the crime that's happening, for sure. That's the problem. It's, sometimes you can be so focused on crime that you miss the crime right in front of you. Yeah, he does. He definitely, Picard, can't see the crime forest for the crime trees. That's right. Um, Moriarty insists that he's in love, and then Picard, uh, Judo, reflects that on him and says, well, then you should be really worried about her safety, and uh, yeah. we should all take our time on this. What if she's what if she is less you and more of that book? Huh? Yeah. Well, she's got too much book DNA. Everything <laughs> in the holodeck has DNA, I now assume. <laughs> Riker calls Picard to the bridge. Everyone looks at the two planets starting to come together. 
he orders Worf to launch a probe, but uh, he can't. And it's not because he forgot how or he's in a parallel universe this time. Nah, he understands the L-cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because um, ah, command functions are being rerouted, and wouldn't you know it, yeah, Moriarty has taken control of the ship. Fucking A right. Picard tries to tell him it's not a good time. That this isn't, as I said earlier, this isn't vacation times. That the Damn. star is going to appear and cook everybody. Bad time for crime, man. But he just says, Countess or everybody dies. And now they're forced to actually, and I think for the first time, think about it. <laughs> I mean, it works. In a way, it works exactly as he intended. He, they yeah. now do have to sit and think about it for one, for fucking once. For once, or even one second. Yeah. Data immediately says, I don't know, man. The transporter's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's like all the same shit. And, and Jordy goes, no, no, no. Jordy goes, no, <laughs> no, it won't work ever. And Barkley's like, huh? And Barkley thinks it might work, so Wouldn't it work? Picard, Picard puts Data and Barkley on transporter pattern idea, and uh, he tells Jordy, meanwhile, figure out how to get me control of my ship again, please. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Barkley goes down to the holodeck with some pattern enhancers. He meets uh, Countess Bartholomew. She tells him all about her cool safari in Africa where she got to wear trousers. Hell yeah. Uh, Moriarty returns. He wants to oversee this pattern test. Uh, Data runs it from the transporter room. It don't work. And that's not that weird, because why would it? But there's no log of the transporter cycle at all, and Data gets a worried look on his face. He doesn't have emotions, but you look at his face and tell me that's not a worried look. No, no, no. He's got so many worries in there. And he uh, silently walks out. He doesn't say anything to who I presume is the transporter operator on duty who's standing over in a corner. He just leaves. Um, he doesn't say shit to no one because he's worthless. <laughs> he's such I a fucking broken doll. He's such trash. Uh, Jordy tells Picard he's found a way to get the command functions back and invites Picard to give his authorization code. Yeah. Data rolls up just a minute too late and notices Jordy working with his left hand. Whoops. They're all still in the holodeck. Dude, I swear to God, Data was in that scene. He was stand. I thought he was standing there watching when no, Jordan he and Picard he missed the whole command codes thing. He he missed the part where Picard failed uh, this this year's IT test. <laughs> so fucking bad. He gets fished so hard. <laughs> he gets fished like an old guy, like a guy his age would get fished. Yeah. I don't know. It told me to log in. I just I uh, put in my credentials. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Data proves they're in the holodeck by flicking his badge at the wall. Uh, only Data seems to know where the wall is in the holodeck. Yeah. We've seen him do this trick at least once before. Sure. <clears throat> I guess he's probably got, like, internal GPS in a way that the others don't. Then he should have figured this out a lot fucking faster. He should have figured it out faster. He should have been like, huh, you know, I don't think I actually did go to the bridge earlier. I think the wall is not really moving. It's still, like, right over there. <laughs> yeah. I Like, can he see it or not? Anyway, I guess he knows the size of the holodeck they're in, and he knows how far away he is from Picard. Maybe he can make a guess about it from that, but anyway. I would have just uh, winged it as hard as I could to make sure I hit that wall. They work out that they're not really talking to the bridge when they call the bridge. That's all a simulation, too. And at this point, Picard realizes he's done a whoopsie, and he very ashamedly tells Data, <laughs> I think I, I've just entered my access code. I just gave Data my password. Data says to him, you shouldn't have done that. He shows no sympathy at all, and he's not cool about it. And he says, you fucked up. Well, sure enough, 
we now see Moriarty trying to get real Riker and Geordi to beam him off the holodeck using mm-hmm. the method data and Barclay design. Don't it uh, is not clear Does it to work? me, by the way, whether this is really them or not. Oh sure, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. At some point, well, he threatens them with a warp core breach. Riker has Geordi start working on it again. Um, Picard goes to talk to the Countess, and he tells her that they think if they uncouple the Heisenberg compensators and let yep. them uh, reboot in safe mode, sure, 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 that they can make them real. But he's only going to do that if Moriarty returns command of his ship. And, and I'm he telling wants her to make you, Moriarty see reason. Yeah, because you can convince him. You. Uh, she, of course, tells Moriarty exactly what Picard says, and he runs it up the chain to Riker. Riker calls back and says everything's ready. Moriarty and the Countess step into the pattern enhancers, and they materialize in the transporter room. Mm. He demands a shuttle in exchange for the command codes, and everyone goes down to a shuttle bay. Riker tells him this shuttle's set up to answer to voice controls, and he gets in the Sakharov and departs. Mm. And then... Because I guess he's not that bad a guy. Moriarty does release the command lockout. That's right. That lady was right about him after all. He's not so bad. At which point Picard reveals that all of that was still in the holodeck. By yeah, somehow. ending the program and storing him in active memory. Somehow they did a holod- holodeck in the holodeck. Yep. <sighs> Picard calls the bridge to make sure that Riker has moved the ship to a safe distance. Um... Barkley pulls a little glowing cube out of the holodeck wall. Was that always in there? Yeah. Mm. And then in the conference room, Picard explains that they used the same exact trick as Moriarty. They programmed the holodeck in the simulation of the ship inside the holodeck. And now Moriarty and the Countess are living out a simulation with no physicality in the computer. And maybe we are too? Question mark? Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, I didn't think it was about that. I uh, I said, hey, guys, if it seems impossible, maybe investigate from that perspective that the thing's impossible and figure out what's happening. I don't know, like, how this take will help me specifically. I mean, it'd be extremely rare situations. I'm not asked to investigate that many things, really. So it's fine. There's not, not a lot matter. of there's not a lot of miracles. Do you know, encounter like sometimes you're out driving yeah. And someone pulls up to you next to a light and you look over and there's a bag of fast food on top of your car. And you're like, how has that not fallen off yet? <laughs> it's kind of, it's a minor miracle. It's a minor sure. miracle. But that, that doesn't make me go, you know what? That can't be real. So this needs a full investigation. This needs my attention. Uh, I don't know, man. I gave it a three. Everyone in this episode was so dumb. I couldn't figure out what we were supposed to learn from it. <laughs> um... For the take of this episode, I have written a tiger doesn't change its stripes? Question mark. Uh, about Moriarty. Uh, at the end of Elementary Dear Data, which <coughs> talks a lot about whether a computer can ever be more than its programming. Sure. Moriarty gives up his scheme, his attempt to take control of the Enterprise, and trusts Picard to help him. Because Mm. Gene was still in charge of TNG. That's right. But it's schemes this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, he woke up and learned no one done, not even one fucking thing. So. Also, also, though, Picard continually asks him if he's evil, 
in a way which is not well motivated by his actions in the episode. So it feels like this idea must have been on somebody's mind. <coughs> like Picard's read the script. Yeah. That's why the first, basically the first thing he says to him after he miracles himself out of the holodeck is now you, listen, I know you <laughs> love crime. He says loudly to the security officers, watch out, he does crimes. Yeah. You gotta watch this one. Um, I don't like pessimistic TNG and I gave it a two. Okay. Well, surely, based on your description, this this executed at a very high level. Yeah, let's start with one thing that is um, not fun about this episode. Yep. Picard tells Moriarty that he hasn't been forgotten and the top men at Starfleet are working on the issue. But as far as we know, no one gave one single thought about it all these years. Now nah, they're happy that guy was gone and they did not think about it. Yep. And they just stand there and tell him it's impossible. Even though Barkley and Data think about it for like two minutes and come up with something that might work. But even then, they don't try that in the end. They no, don't try to find get him out, out of the holodeck. We never know they if just, it works. They just build a safer jail to keep him in and laugh about how he thinks he's having adventures in there. <laughs> it's, it is cynical. It's extremely cynical. How come they don't send that back to the, the big boys at home and say, hey, you guys ever think of this? No, that's Barkley's personal property now. It'd be so great if they did send that back, and they were like, yeah, man, we tried that like week one. It doesn't work. <laughs> Why didn't you look? Yes. Idiots. Huh. Guess you guys didn't read our the reports we've been sending back, huh? Yeah, Even we did Even Data didn't read them. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Usually he reads them. Uh, leaving aside his takeover attempt, they do not do right by this life form they've created in any way. No. Like, I thought about it for one minute. They could have put that little crystal into a robot and let him interact with the real world. You know, send him off to work with the holodeck experts or whatever. Get a bit of Krang or whatever. Uh Uh-huh, or just even an iPad on a stick. Yeah, exactly. As exists in the real world. You could have been a telepresence robot, but nah. They just plug it into an Atari 7800 and give it to Barkley. Yeah. It probably burns up when the saucer section crashes in Generations. Yeah, it's one of the pieces of clutter that just gets thrown around like that Curl and Nesco's. This wasn't the most awful episode to watch. Okay. It's mostly quiet, except when Riker's shouting angrily about something. <laughs> the holodeck within a holodeck within a holodeck <coughs> is an attempt at a twist anyway. It just, I don't understand it. They don't explain it. They're just like, we did it. It's like, okay. There's a great moment where Hollow Geordi just sort of goes to his corner to think about how he's not real. He doesn't say anything to anyone. They just but he stop knows, interacting but with him with the But he fucking knows. Yes. <laughs> they look at him. They give him a look. It's honestly hard to believe sometimes it's not a comedy because they give him a look that you would give when, someone in a comedy. When Data says to Picard, you and I are real. And command, and Lieutenant Barkley. And then they just both they look just at Jordy. They just look at Jordy and he just looks and back and I'm like, don't oh, say anything. Shit. And then later, Picard asks for a moment with Data, and Jordy just goes around a corner to an area we've never seen before. I don't know if that's a he goes to cry in a bathroom back there or what. But just a suicide corner now, because now that he knows he's not real, that's it for him. Um, I just hate to see Picard treat this guy worse than a bunch of silicon crystals. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy that aspect of this episode, and I gave it a three. Yep. Um, let's see. Let's start from the beginning. Barkley gets to enjoy the exposition on our behalf this week. Uh, it's true that Picard lied his ass off to this dude. Like, it's hard to feel bad because I guess he's a supervillain or whatever, but it's fair to point out that Picard did not try to fucking alter this guy's existence in any way. 
as soon as our boy walks out of the room and he's fine, why don't they immediately know this is some utter bullcrap? Why don't yeah, they look at each other? This what happened to Cyrus Redblock, and he was cooler. <laughs> why don't they look at each other and go, still in the holodeck? Still in the holodeck? Still in the holodeck. Well, These, they for sure didn't try the one thing that every Starfleet officer tries when something computer any, and program. even vaguely strange happens. They didn't say computer and program. Yep. They, they just... These boys are dumb for real. They thought he fucking what? Grew a soul and like... Mm-hmm. A physical body not projected by fucking light emitters? How exactly would that be fucking possible? He just hoped really hard? These fucking morons. I have to say I was all out on this episode after that. To the point that the particulars of the double triple cross of the holodeck programs and the lady hologram and all this shit just did not matter. Guys, he didn't become a real boy. It didn't happen. Ron Moore may have written this episode, but there's no way they would have let him just go, Magic is real, everybody! (laughs) Anything is possible! Not yet. Anyway, they're angels. Yeah, not yet. Not on TNG. They were not going to allow that. I named my notes this week, You Can Literally Fly. (laughs) Um, After this week... Yeah, in in universe in TNG, I don't know how they allow holodecks on Federation starships. It's just asking for trouble. Dude gave I mean, away his command it's codes. Ben Wild. It yeah. was Wild in Elementary, dear Data. It was always dangerous, but he straight gave his command codes to a hologram. Yeah, he did. He could have just as easily given them away to a Romulan agent or fucking Obsidian Order or God knows who else, just by using the holodeck against him. Like. Holodecks exist, and there's nothing you can do about that, but it makes no sense to include them on your space missions to the neutral zone or whatever. Yep. You have to assume that there are no holodecks in the star drive section, which the assumption that the shipbuilders had was that that was what would go into battle. Yeah. Well, only like the one time. And what they didn't factor in was everyone was really annoyed by having to run the sequence to disconnect and reconnect the saucer section and this they would rather never did their it. families yep they never did it again <laughs> hey there's a lot hey there's a lot of resistance to separating the saucer before they go into combat turns out people are going into combat with their families in there it's not what we intended and it's ghoulish they're like it takes up to 90 seconds to separate the saucer that's so it. fast we're not doing it it's very annoying. It makes a loud noise, which nobody likes. Star- what, what ended up happening was Starfleet Command made them write a report every time they separated the saucer. <laughs> yep. They had to justify it, and um, it's led to man. some bad decisions. That's right. Hey, was Moriarty just busy and not watching the moment Picard and Data figure out what's happening? Yeah, he was somewhere on the ship doing something. That's a big L for him. And then he just falls for his own dumb trick. He gets trapped in the holodeck? Ridiculous. It's a real stinker. The shit made no sense, and the characters are all stone-cold dummies, and I gave it a two. World building. As soon as somebody catches something in an unexpected way in a holodeck program, Jordy assigns a technician to it, I guess. Yep. To me, that seems like some low-priority bullshit. I don't know. What do I know? Maybe there's a whole Moriarty messing around in there. Moriarty claims he experienced the passage of time while stored away, but who knows? Yeah, it could be a lie. It seems for sure 
that the Enterprise computer is capable of creating sentient life, but I don't think it is able to create sentient life that can then alter its own physical and genetic structures. Yeah, but Not I don't yet. question it. Not yet, anyway. I don't think that's possible yet. A holodeck program inside a holodeck program, okay. Whatever you say, TNG. You'd think this shit would start running out of memory, like in Future Imperfect at some point, and it'd be like, <laughs> get right. real laggy. I guess their holodeck works But Moriarty doesn't know how long anything takes, so he'd still be fooled. Everyone is so shocked that the program is running while they can't watch it. Like, man, ain't no one on Enterprise ever left, like, Hearts of Iron 3 running for 500 years just to see what happens, and then just came back to it later and went, oh, check that out. Nobody nobody alt-tabbed to another window, and then they're like, man, my computer sucks dick right now. What's going on? And it's just been running something in the background. It's just been running Sea of Thieves in the background for 24 hours. <laughs> I don't know, man. What should I do with any of this in a world-building perspective? <laughs> You are capable of some real shenanigans on the holodeck. I gave it a two. I didn't give it even less. Here's what I've got. They've got that little Game Boy that they can use to uh, carry uh, Moriarty around in. And uh-huh. um, and there's a possible solution to Moriarty's problem, but it never gets tested in the real world, and I think never will. That's a yeah. one for me. It's not great. Characterization. Um, Picard is not as open-minded as he likes to pretend to be. He's all over Moriarty about doing crimes. Does he want a girlfriend because they're in the middle of crimes, etc. <laughs> also, he's the type of guy who thinks it's cool and fun to say, maybe all of this is a TV show someone's watching. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's the first person ever to think of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But everyone's got to put up with that shit because he's the captain. Um, Data apparently is Sherlock Holmes, even when he doesn't do the accent. He's got to tell Picard that he solved it by deduction. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. When he could have just said, George is right-handed. <laughs> well, I look at him, he's been... using his left hand right now. Dumb. Quicker. I've seen this one before. The only reason I know is because I was pretty embarrassed earlier when Jordy had to point out that the guy wasn't yeah. using the right hand. I actually, now I check, I, every, it's just part of my regular normal vision subroutine i just double check what hand yeah, people just are programmed doing it with. in everyone better be using the hands they're supposed to if you ever do anything with your left hand captain i'm doing a mutiny i uh by the way i did stun a guy with a phaser earlier today uh he was uh he was eating with his left hand instead of his right hand but it, it did out he, turn out later that he was using his right, right hand, hand he said he had a little grease on his right hand so. <laughs> yeah um Barkley's in this one, but he doesn't seem to have any character work here. He's just the holodeck guy, so. Uh, yeah. I didn't give this a high score for characterization, even though I gave it a three. Uh, yeah, somehow Data doesn't know this guy caught the matchbox in his right hand. He's not a very observant robot. Also, he clearly has this. See, this is why I thought he was in the room. I thought he <laughs> saw the thing happen in the transporter room, went down there engineering, and watched Picard and Jordy work for a while, and then only after the command codes were given away did he say, hey, man. I got some suspicions. <laughs> but if that's not the case, that's fine. Um, Moriarty claims he experienced the passage of time while stored away. That would drive you pretty fucking mad. Um, he demands a girlfriend, too. This dude gets it. He's like, while I'm at it, not only do I want, like, a shuttle or whatever, but I want a fucking girlfriend. Guys. He demanded a uh, Swiss Army girlfriend, I think. Yeah, that's another song he knows. <laughs> 
Uh, even Jordy is dumb this week, and that's the ultimate low blow. At least in the bad episodes where everyone's dumb, Jordy's still smart, but not this week. Um, I mean, we barely see real Jordy. Yeah. Barkley's he checks like, out before they go into the holodeck the first time, so. Barkley's like 40, and he's still a JG. Yeah. This poor fucking dweeb. <laughs> Listen, man. No one wants to work with him. Nope. He's not getting good performance reviews. He does not get those at all. Picard Riker knows who he is, so he has specific criticisms he can use to justify giving <laughs> him a two. As we talked about, it's one of like the ten guys he can actually say something about. Picard, like Kirk before him, uses the lady to help him unravel Moriarty. Yep. Uh, I said everyone took an L this week. Nobody really tries to help Moriarty. He doesn't maybe deserve it, but fuck, man, they helped Q that one time. It's true. Shit, man. They gave it a two. <laughs> like, like I'm saying, uh, we, hey, we think these crystals might be sentient somehow. <laughs> we better do something about uh, okay. this. Picard's going to bend over backwards to help them. Yeah, but but this two- guy's probably doing a crime, though, to be fair. Yeah, he's probably, I know this type. He's a real criminal type. <laughs> right. It's great that he's like, a girlfriend, huh? Hmm. I wonder if crime? you guys are doing a crime together. Uh, quick hitters. Um, I swear to God, didn't Moriarty know it was a starship last time? He did, right? He drew it, right? Didn't he say, like, he knew they didn't were... Didn't he do a pretty good side profile drawing of a galaxy-class yeah. ship in a way that shocked everyone? Yeah. Did he think that was a boat? <laughs> I think he said it was a starship. I'm. I, then yeah. they do they go through this whole thing where he's got to go and look out the window and be like, "Oh my god, the fucking stars!" I, very confusing. Um, this is where I got mad about the Moriarty not being a real person when Jordy says Moriarty's brilliant in any century, as if they have a real guy there who existed uh-huh. in the olden times as a real fucking person. And not a fictional Listen, character, Jordy whoopsied into sentience four years ago. Don't worry about it. That's not real Jordy. <laughs> okay. Well, still, that's a dumb thing to say. I get it, but when Moriarty programmed him, maybe he had him say, make him say nice stuff about me. Yeah, maybe. That's like saying Zeus is powerful in any century. Nah, man, he was fake. He was never powerful because he wasn't real. You get it, Jordy? Okay, it's not real Jordy. Fine. Uh, Moriarty says the name of the episode. Um, yes, he does. That's all I have. Uh, how can Data and Jordy even play Sherlock Holmes anymore after what happened last time? I mean, how could it be fun for them? Jordy, surely, in the middle of the night, every night, looks up at the <laughs> ceiling and goes, "Oh God!" Oh, it's what I said—the magic words to the computer. Just, oh, God, out loud, he's alone in his quarters, but he says it. Oh, God, when he thinks of the time he asked the computer to create an opponent capable they'd of probably, data. They probably came to him real butthurt, like, we haven't played Sherlock Holmes in four years, Jordy. Jordy, you I want know to play Sherlock I love Holmes. this. Jordy, I want you to be my Dr. Watson. You know, the guy who's so dumb that he can never figure out what's going on so that Sherlock Holmes gets to talk about it at the end and it's a big surprise? That's you. It's you, Jordy. I'm guessing there's never going to be an explanation for why this handedness glitch happened in the first place or how it's possible that this can be the type of mistake that a holodeck makes. Like, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't reverse 
uh, what side their comm badges are on or anything. That's no. a mistake that the actual production crew makes. No, but it's what like it literally does, there was such a specific bug that it went in and every single character's hand profile and the switched character their prefers. hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in universe, what's the explanation for these engineers still wearing the front zip jumpsuits? Mm. Do they not have enough career points to wear the good ones yet? Or <laughs> no, that's so they can switch. They need to sometimes switch into the the engineering jumpsuits. So if you have the zip right in front, it's easier to switch out. Oh, the low rank guys who have to crawl through the shits got to get yeah. into the, get in out of their jumpsuits differently. I like that yeah, explanation. That's it. Just saves time. That's all. I had completely forgotten the subplot here, in which Picard gets hollow fished. Or, as my yearly compliance trainings call it, hished. <laughs> um, I also forgot that they used the holodeck inside the holodeck to trap Moriarty. It turns out all I remember when I think about this episode is the little log cabin of isolinear chips at the end and the guy catching the matchbox in the wrong hand in the beginning. Is that a good sign about no. this episode? Yeah, it's not great. It's not ideal. Yeah, I remembered that little cube. Yes. Not much. Not much else. Um, best actor. I don't know. Moriarty, maybe. Worst actor, Countess Bartholomew. <laughs> well, as much as I enjoyed her saying she got to wear trousers the whole time, uh, she should know that's not naughty for Picard. I don't. Was know. it that you couldn't tell whether or not she was going to do a crime? And you thought maybe you were supposed to be able to tell? That did irritate me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, it's, it's, by the way, it's entirely unclear what he even likes about her. I don't know. Why well, he seems to... he His his motivation to get her out of there, <coughs> it seems like it should be just because he really needs a way to get out of there himself. Yeah. And it's all fake, but then it's like, at the end when they do get out, he doesn't no, just all like... In. He didn't shoot her with a phaser and like, I don't need you anymore, dummy. Yeah, this was for me, idiot. This was a ruse. Do you know what that word means? Dummy? Means it's not real. Like uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a soul. Uh all right, well we did it. I'm done talking about this dumb episode. We did the thing. Uh, the scores are in. Last place with eighteen points. TNG ship in a bottle. I mean, I didn't know whether it would be, like, unexpectedly good, but I I had a feeling it would be bad, and it was bad. (sighs) Second place with 27 points, Honor Among Thieves Voyager has notched its sixth win. Oh my god, that's a rare situation. With the episodes TNG and Deep Space Nine have been putting up lately. Yeah. It frankly almost seems possible that Voyager could get to nine. Oh, I mean, sure. You only got two others to compete with, and sometimes they both eat a fat one. It yeah. Turns out. But that but, is the you know the problem is win. Voyager can't stop eating a fat one. See, that's always the thing. It's like, well, they only got to beat those other guys, and then you always go, yeah, but they're in last place for a reason, man. Like, they can't get out of their own way. Next week it's called Good Shepherd, and that's not gonna be good. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so for Voyager next week, we're watching Good Shepherd. Mm. Deep Space Nine, the episode is Change of Heart. Mm. 
Dax gets injured and Worf has to decide what to do. Uh, okay. And for, for TNG, we're watching Aquiel. Is mm. Jordy is he cool mm. with the ladies or about the ladies at all? Oh, next man, find week. out. Fucking find out. Tune Shit. in next week to find out about Jordy and the ladies. And don't worry if you're from the South. She's black. Yeah, that's right. Black alien or whatever. Or she's just black. Is she an alien? I think she's an alien. I mean, her dog's a shapeshifter. Is that anything? Did I ruin the episode yeah, for anyone? It's not a real dog. Ah, now I've ruined the episode. <laughs> the dog's a shapeshifter, everyone. <laughs> Ugh. I mean, it's dark. <laughs> Potentially like not a that. real good crop episodes next week, guys. Well, you know, the week after you get Face of the Enemy, that's, uh... Yeah. Get some Deep great Nine, stuff on that it's one. It's bringing us wrongs darker than death or <laughs> night. Now, the Voyager episode right. is called Live Fast and Proper, so... I wish it was called Live Fast and Proper. That would be pretty cool. Prosper. Prosper. <laughs> that's like what the Vulcans say, but fast instead of long. Yeah. All right. Well... All right, guys. Sorry, everyone. I apologize. This is, <laughs> you know what? You guys caught me red-handed. I was doing a crime, and uh, <laughs> Judah was also doing a crime. And we were doing crimes this whole together. Thing's been a crime. And the whole reason ask. we were so desperate to get on this podcast was because we were doing a crime. No one told us that crime was still illegal, so we did. One. No, I thought it was legal now, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just look around. Seems pretty legal. You do. Finance crimes. <laughs> Fucking war crimes. Though you can still do those. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, everybody. As you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As you believe, as you believe so, shall so shall you, shall you do. do. Show yourself, Gorgon! Because they'd hear me saying stuff like that. They'd just hear me going, you fucking didn't do anything, you worthless fuck. <laughs> Once again, you didn't do fucking anything. Subscribe.